Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Clear Skies, our Star Trek Adventures live play with the Stream Punks. I'm here with uh, with some friends. With some friends, y'all. We have almost a whole new crew today, uh, and some returning faces from our Shield days. So it's uh, week two of our reunion tour. Uh, we have one Rick Bud, who uh, yeah. you all know from Power Play and a bunch of other great shows. Um, you did uh, what was the name of that wonderful show? Oh yeah, Tempting Fates over on Saving Throw, which was a great show. Um, also, you, Power sure. Plays, catch it on Sundays. What time are you live on Sundays, Rick? Uh, we're 5 p.m., uh, and uh, this, this this weekend is our season finale. Oh, yeah, it's got time to catch up for the next season. Um, so definitely check that out. But Rick, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, Rick uh, basically helped me launch Shield of Tomorrow. In the very early days, uh, it was me and Rick and Nick, and we were just writing the episodes. The pull was Rick's idea. Literally, the overarching story of the entire freaking campaign was what Rick showed up with and uh, went along with it. It was pretty good. Uh, and Rick tolerated me in the writer's room. Also amazing. Just amazing. So uh, so it's good to have you back. And then, of course, B. Dave Walters, who you may have seen from a thing he probably did at some point uh, in his life. I, I don't know. He doesn't do much, to be honest with you. You're kind of I'm not look, I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm sorry to call you out on live stream, but you're kind of lazy. B. Dave, you don't do much. That's sort of phoning it in. Yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we have Joey Millen, actor extraordinaire. <sighs> Who is jumping in with us? Uh, Joey's been, uh, we've been gaming Joey behind the scenes for a bit now. And I've been uh, eager to get Joey in on one of our games. Uh, and so I finally got you in tonight. It's good to um, finally be here. The Ox crew knows you as as Mr. Gina, I, I believe is what they call you. That's that, that's really what they were, I'm just telling you what I saw. That That, that, that is highly honoring to be uh, <laughs> put into the same sentence at all with such a, a an RPG legend. <laughs> <laughs> So um, before we jump into tonight's game, let's just get some of the announcements out of the way real quick. Uh, so to start off, of course, I have to salute and honor and shout out the Gax Pack, which we have on Sundays from 1 to 4 p.m. on Gary Con Live. Uh, feel free to watch us over there if you want to see me and B. Dave's characters constantly debate uh, the differences between life and death and then share a bonding moment when we both express how much we hate the dungeon we're in. Good times. Um, so that's yeah, 1 to 4 p.m. Terrible place. <laughs> it's a terrible place. Um, so that's 1 to 4 p.m. on Gary Khan Live. And then uh, that's really all I got tonight, y'all. I got that one announcement. Does anybody else have any other announcements? Anything that they'd like to talk about? Failed save or anything else that's going on? Any all about? Oh, yes, Aki, what you got? Um, so tomorrow over at Indicate uh, Twitch at 3 p.m., uh, we're starting part one of our last show uh, like our last game uh for the season uh we're playing good society and uh that's going to be run by one of the designers of the game and we're going to have uh special guests uh ruben bressler and uh erica fermina playing with us so that Sweet. should be yeah a lot of fun so 3 p.m over on indicate twitch and then uh we don't have our season finale on sunday for um new pantheon but we do have our musical episode happening at 4 p.m so if you want to come and hang out and watch watch us do pull off a a, a a virtual musical we're gonna try it on sunday so that's a uh, saving throw show and then of course we finally like the the let's get wild mount is back the wild ones are are wilding it up on on saturdays at 1 30 p.m so yeah sweet having attempted to sing happy birthday via zoom i can only say good luck 
Yeah, we're probably not going to be trying any group numbers. It'll probably be a lot of solo stuff, but you know. The only other thing I have to say is that uh, Rick Budd is the underground king of this thing, and he doesn't get nearly enough credit for his genius, and you should go and watch his whole entire catalog of everything he's ever done ever. I completely agree. It's true. It's true. Oh, you guys definitely, too definitely nice. Do. No, I can't take, can't take it when people are nice. Even you you like, live with, with one of the nicest people on the planet, Rick. Yes. Um, inundate Rick's uh, Twitter with nice no. things, please. Yes, send all the love, all the yes. care bear, the care bear stare, yeah. like like hard lamps towards Rick Bud. Yep. There's there is a wild Amy in chat, and she's telling you to send love. <laughs> uh, honestly, I am I am lucky and honored to be hanging out with uh, this class of player here. So thank you. It's Eric. long overdue, long long overdue. Um, yeah, Gina, what's up? You got something? I do. I have an announcement. Um, yeah, so on Thursday, I'm going to be playing um, one of the charity streams for D&D Beyond at 2 p.m. It is going to be really fun. There's a, we, we just got to announce the thing, the people who I'm playing with. And uh, Joe Star is going to be my DM. And I get to play with Danielle Radford, Amy Vorpole, Terry Gamble, Todd uh, Stashwick, and Cucumber, who's a puppet from Perspective Studios, and I'm so excited. Oh my God. I get to play with a puppet. <laughs> I love that like most people would be like, Amy Vorpal, Todd Shash, Stad, you're just like, no. Cucumber, 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 it's gonna be there. Yeah. So uh, please come support me because you're gonna see my face really excited. <laughs> That's extraordinary goose energy. Yes. Extraordinary. I mean, I was in a game today and there were no puppets. So I feel like, <laughs> maybe, you're getting the better into this the wrong with your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick before we move on, uh, B Dave, when's Black Dice Society? When, they, when can we catch that? Thursdays at four on D and D, Twitch, and YouTube. It's our Ravenloft show. Uh, it is a horror campaign. It is all kinds of terrible, and uh, I love it with my whole whole heart. So yeah, D and D official D and D Twitch and YouTube, four p.m. Pacific. We're twenty episodes in, and they're all up on YouTube. And Streampunk's friend. Our beloved friend who played Kostji, our, our favorite cyborg on Callisto 6, Mark Mir, is in that cast. And uh, I love sure. he He is just one of my favorite character actors. He's just, he gets so into everything he does. I just dig it. Yes. Um, he's, he's a joy to behold. Yep. Uh, anybody else have any other announcements before we jump into tonight's game? We don't have Sam here. I don't know who's I know, supposed I to know. do this part. We even start Should we just here? say we're all, we're excited, all excited at this yeah. time? Let, yeah. Yeah, let's, like, okay, three, two, one. Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies.
Welcome back. Uh, we are getting underway tonight with a very interesting session planned for us. Because, as you all know, last week we followed the exploits of Captain Saul and the crew, who had split off from the USS Ross to undertake an unsanctioned mission behind the enemy lines, as it were, into the regrown Orion Crime Syndicate. Now, for those who are familiar with Clear Skies, who've been following us since the beginning, Captain Sull, being the first Orion captain in Starfleet, has a vested interest in making sure the Orion Crime Syndicate never returns. And upon finding out from our, our Orion not-criminal friend, um, Taraz, was informed that the Orion Syndicate, which they helped them bring down during the Dominion War, has once again re-emerged. And not wanting to take any chances, and discovering that the Orion Syndicate might be linked to the evidence that they have uncovered recently regarding the true way, the Cardassians who are still loyal to the Dominion and who want to see the Federation fall. Captain Sol decided to take it upon themselves to stage an operation, steal a ship right out of a Federation shipyard, and go after the bad guys. Well, that mission, as we know from last week, went pretty well, particularly because we were very fortunate to have a brilliant hacker, played by one internet sensation, Amy Dallin, who basically swooped in and saved the day. And with their with her help, the crew managed to uncover what was going on and figure out that there might be a third player in the game, not just this Cardassian warlord who is leading the true way, but there might be one other player in this game. But that's for the future, because as this is happening, Something else transpired. While they were gone, the logs indicated that the starship USS Ross arrived <laughs> at the Kenshi Delta shipyard, requested access for the pirate Nian Jaws ship, and then that the end of that duty shift, when inventory was logged, it was discovered that that ship, that ship was missing. This was, of course, by protocol, immediately reported to Starfleet Command. Starfleet Command conducted a very quick investigation, which led to Starfleet Command hailing the USS Ross. Since the Ross was the last ship to see this ship in the shipyard. Since that conversation took place, the USS Ross has been ordered back to Starbase 621 at maximum speed <laughs> immediately to return and Admiral Tagus Corps has demanded to see Commander Exio or whoever is in command actually asked for Captain Sull then demanded to see Commander Exio in her briefing room immediately upon arrival today's game begins with the USS Ross having arrived at Starbase 621 and Exio, you find yourself standing before Admiral Tagus Corps. She is an Andorian standing at about six feet tall, broad shoulders, and judging from the what you know from Starfleet files and judging from what you see, this is a woman who got her Admiral bars during the Dominion War. She was known as a cunning and resourceful commander, 
and to be given command of Starbase 621 here on the frontier, the edge of what was once the demilitarized zone, and then the front lines of the Dominion War. This is sort of like the outpost that is meant to be a beacon of peace and to repair all of the wounds of the Dominion War. Huge responsibility to put on a first-time admiral. She's known for having a level head and a calm demeanor, and right now you have gauged that she has raised past the typical decibels of what humans shout at. She is pacing back and forth. She pauses for a second in the middle of her shouting as you stand at attention. And then she exhales and she turns back and says, Commander Axio, there's something I need to make very clear to you. And maybe your captain didn't take this into consideration when they took the risk that they have taken. But when someone lands a command of a capital scale ship like the USS Ross, typically they have to go through a couple of hoops, as it were, before they achieve such a lofty position. You didn't have to do that, Commander. You are a hologram, the first hologram to enter Starfleet. There's a tremendous amount of responsibility on your shoulders, and there's a lot of people out there, including members of the brass and people in the press, that would leap at the opportunity to use this as an excuse to pull you right off of that ship. And if I didn't completely disagree with them, I would be tempted to do so. Unthinkable. A Starfleet captain. Commandeering. Starfleet has already had its James T. Kirk, Commander. We don't need any more. What the hell were you thinking? Did you make any attempt to stop? Don't even answer that. I don't even want to know. I'm going to want a full report, and I can't guarantee your career isn't on the line right now. I certainly can't vouch for Commander S Captain Sull or the rest of their command staff. You may not have to, Admiral, but I do vouch for the Captain's decisions we deemed it they deemed it necessary based on the information we had that we needed to move quickly and as efficiently as possible that might be true commander it might be true the decisive action needed to be taken i'm only just now seeing all of this data that your science team has presented to me about the subspace tears these particle fountains that you've uncovered and the possible connections and it's a fascinating read but it is not the purview of the diplomatic flagship of the Federation to conduct these operations without the authorization of the brass. You don't just go off and save the day without running it through your commanding officers. There's no excuse for this. At best, Commander Sol will be locked in a brig and stripped of their command. Captain. <laughs> Demoted. That's a best case scenario unthinkable so many people so many members of the brass went to bat to get captain sold this command to get you your place on this starship the ross an experimental diplomatic flagship so many people tried to dismantle that ship before it was finished being built we don't need a diplomatic flagship they said the Dominion War was raging. Resources needed to be allocated to newer ships that were capable of warfare. But no, we agreed that we needed to have something that would symbolize Starfleet's future. And this crew was meant to be the shining beacon of that future. 
Admiral, I still, I still believe we are, Admiral. We have done nothing but incredible work in the diplomatic corps. Our ambassadorial uh, suite has successfully negotiated several, several plead, uh, uh, deals between the Dominion and, and we have been incredibly successful and all of our reports have shown nothing but exemplary behavior that we have been pushed up the track, Admiral. We are doing our due diligence and we are indeed earning it. We may have had help in the beginning and I have may, may have had help in the beginning, Admiral, as we all do need, but I, I will say that I have earned my place as a commander. It was not handed to me. I may not have the same amount of years as other officers, but I have the intelligence and the experience required to do this job and I am performing it admirably. Don't you see, Commander? Everything you just said is true until now. And that's why I'm angry. You are welcome to be angry, Admiral. But I will say that I will take any whipping that you lash at me. But aren't we being a little rash as we do not know the outcome of the captain's success yet? This is not a mitigating circumstance. Is it not? No. Saul succeeds. Wonderful. We'll use the information. And then Saul burns. It's that simple. Insubordination is not something you negotiate in Starfleet. I don't believe that's true, Admiral. As you Let cited me. a separate captain that did the same behavior. There are negotiations always. And that is why we are a diplomatic ship. Admiral, we do what is necessary to do what's right by the Federation. This diplomatic ship is going to have to continue on without its captain after this. And I can't guarantee your future either, particularly because you didn't come to me with this, which by the way, was your duty to do. This was an unsanctioned mission. The repercussions I won't go in circles about this. No one's questioning the track record of the Ross. Everyone knows about the first contact mission with the Jashashians. Everyone knows the scientific community is still buzzing by what you've discovered in the Shackleton Expanse. Everyone knows about your rediscovery of the crystalline entity. Everyone knows everything you have all done. And it's been jeopardized now just because of this one thing. And I can't, and before she finishes the sentence, a yes. klaxon begins to blare. A red alert begins to go off in her office on the space station on Starbase 621. So, Jake, can we get our red alert? Um, as suddenly you see the red begin to glow, you hear, <laughs> and you hear, Admiral. She immediately turns, she goes, What's going on? She says, we have a level six shockwave headed straight towards the station, Admiral. She looks up at you with shock immediately as this is happening all in the moment. Just to give you a quick reference point, a level 12 shockwave is what happened in Star Trek Generations when the sun exploded. Is there a sun in or like re relative proximity? No. A level six shockwave is about half the strength and dangerous. So as 
she hears that you all you start hearing the shouts of people over intercoms of telling everyone to take uh to take uh, basically everyone is being told to take battle stations everyone is locking down station staff begins to run around people are like pinning down getting into safety areas immediately she says shields are up what's the what's the trajectory how much time do we have about 45 seconds she looks at you and she's like that's not enough time to get the ships out of here tell all civilian craft to immediately depart those who have not capable of depart tell them to take position behind the space station we'll block a brunt of the uh, the blow permission to be dismissed absolutely not you're staying with me uss ross you are to immediately take position on the other side of the station you hear you hear an acknowledgement from the other side and you hear Bren's voice, not Bren, who is like on the bridge right now and not sure what to do. He just, you hear him come back and you can hear Exio, you you can hear the shakiness in his voice. And he just goes, uh, I, Admiral, we, we don't have a ranking officer on board the bridge right now, Admiral. I think it's you. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you were, when you say that, Ambassador, she turns and looks at you, Exio, and she says, report back to the bridge. Thank you. Thank you, Admiral. I blip. Okay, you... Um, when you arrive on the bridge of the USS Ross... Yes. Uh, you see the Ross is also at red alert. Yes, And as you Good. beam on, uh, your science officer, who is currently sitting in place of Lieutenant Jane Lacat, um why don't you go ahead and give us a brief description of yourself, Rick? Uh, Lieutenant Cohn um, is a Bajoran, and uh, he is uh, uh, he, he, he is kind of on the older side. Um, I, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of kind of picturing like uh, almost um, uh, like Christopher Lloydish kind of you know um, uh, you know kind of wacky gray hair and uh, he, he he has not advanced through the ranks quite as fast as some of his uh, younger counterparts uh, but uh, he um, he's a very intense thinker and uh, he he sometimes talks out loud to himself a little bit once he's working through problems Uh I don't want to. Okay. So um, I'm going to have you go ahead and make me a reason science check. So um, who would like to roll for the Ross? <laughs> okay. Well, the dog's going to roll for the Ross. <laughs> anybody who's going to pipe up that much, I, like, I, I, I'm I not going to argue I with that. I raised my hand, but I realized now you probably didn't see me. You've I'll, been, I'll roll. You, yeah, go I'll ahead roll and roll. Because um, I usually do. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead and roll for the Ross. So this is a reason science. Uh, the difficulty of this is going to be zero because you're basically getting sensor information coming in. And this is computer science on my side? That's correct. Now, uh, it's a quick refresher. Some of our new players haven't played this game in a hot minute, so let me just go ahead and do a quick refresher. You always roll 2d20, and this is going to melt your brain, but 20s are bad and 1s are good. <laughs> you want to roll... I know. <laughs> Make sure to burn sage around your dice after you play this game tonight when you go back to your D&D games this week. Um, so ones are good. You want to roll. The target number is always going to be your ability plus your, your skill added together. So in this case, your reason and your science, add them together. You want to roll that or lower. If you have a specialty that would apply, say, like sensors, 
then whatever your skill rating is becomes the new critical threat range. So let me give you an example. If you roll a natural one in this game, it's a critical hit. You get two successes from that. If, say, I said, make a sensors check, and you said, ah, I have sensors as a focus, I would say, what's your sensor skill, and, you were, and what's your science skill? And you said, it's four. Then that means if you roll a one, two, three, or four, now it's a critical hit. That's how that works. That's the foundation of the entire game. All right. So, with that in mind, Rick, what'd you get? Um, I got uh, okay. So my my reason and my science is seventeen together. So I got two ten. So that's two successes. Two successes. Um, but uh, as far as focuses go, it has to be like a sensor's focus. Like if I have a computer's focus, that it doesn't, doesn't have to be. To you could ask me what focuses apply here. In this like, case, it's just a sensor check. But ten is high enough where your your it's too high for your skill anyway. It would need to be five or lower because they don't go any higher than that. Well, sure. um, the, the Ross helps. So Ross helps. Get, so three yeah, successes. You get one, yeah, a success. Okay. Ross, yeah. So everybody, add three momentum to your party pool. You have three tokens that you guys can spend. You have momentum that y'all can spend in game to uh, add extra dice to a roll, or my all-time favorite thing: spend enough momentum and you can make something true. Uh, and this simulates how in Star Trek, characters are super competent, they know exactly what they're doing, or they're really lucky, or for whatever it is, they just get out of the jam. Um, so, uh, as soon as Exio blips onto the bridge, uh, you hear, uh, Commander on the bridge! And as that happens, your sensor station, uh, Lieutenant, begins to blare, indicating that there is a level six shockwave uh, 28 seconds away from impacting the station. You are already getting a point of origin but more importantly, the Ross is moving into position and taking position behind the station to literally brace against the oncoming wave. I'm guessing it went well. <laughs> um, you just get a quick side glance uh, with a, 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 a smile, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel that it didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, and I just, uh, out of the corner of my mouth, uh, say, exactly as one thought. Um, uh, what are we getting on sensors? Uh, shockwave. Uh, shockwave in uh, 25, uh, 24, 23. We, we have a point of origin, but I, I don't know if right now is the time. Um, <laughs> uh, um, okay, what? what is the shockwave consisting of? Is, it, is, is there particles in it? Is there debris? Um, good question. If you want, you can spend one of those points of momentum to ask that question. Let's do it. You scanned. You did. You already got the scan, so you can burn that point of momentum and ask a question, and I'll answer it for you. Everyone okay if we burn one? Yeah. Okay, down to two. All right. Uh, so the shockwave seems... stomach growls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what that was. <laughs> um, the shockwave is consistent uh, with a, a surge of energies from across the spectrum. But the one thing that stands out to you, Exio, is when you're looking at that surge of power that's radiating out, um, you do see distinct spiked traces of polaronic particles. Ah. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Yes. yes. Polaronic particles 
is that is that the the because yes. we've been researched the ghost haunted yes. haunted yes. face great Your reaction was correct okay <laughs> yes um so, so yeah. uh lieutenant cone please send uh while we're bracing when you are able please send all of these readings down to dr yada yeah uh, uh, uh yes captain um all right sort of uh Vryn, the Andorian helmsman who's just sitting to your left. Uh, How are we? He, 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 what's that? Are we in place? Um, he just goes, this is as good as we're going to get, Captain. Ten, nine, shipwide. Uh, we're on red alert. Everyone in their place. Everyone brace for impact. Brace for impact. All right. Who has a ship sheet for the USS Ross ready? Um, I'm going to go ahead and because y'all are at red alert, shields are up, but you see the shockwave visually on screen approaching the station. It's not quite the size of the shockwave that, say, the Excelsior had to endure when Praxis exploded, but it's visually huge. And as you see it moving towards the station, you realize Starbase 621 is about to have a wild ride. Oh. Um, as it impacts, you see the station visually shift. Now, keep in mind, Starbase 621 is not the full-size Starbase. It's not the size of Starbase 1 back at, at base. Literally half that size. But keep in mind that that scale of size is still something close to 8 to 12 times larger than the Ross. And the Starbase shifts. You see the momentum actually slam into it. And mm -hmm. the stabilizers aren't enough to keep it in place. And you hear Vryn shout just as the shockwave roars over the Ross. Matching! Matching! As the Ross is now going to take damage. Okay. So I'm going to roll. Everyone's braced for impact. Oh, God, the one thing Sand made me promise was no holes in the ship. Yeah, yeah, I think I remember that, too. Technically, you are not the one that are putting the holes in the ship, though. That's a good point. This is true. Never make this promise to Sam. It's not one we're capable of. And keeping. also, uh, Lieutenant or uh, Captain Saul is not on the ship. So as long as there aren't holes on the ship when they get back, we have done our due diligence. All right, you ready for this? Yeah. Are you guys ready to um, jiggle? Yeah. Okay. So here's what happens. First of all, the shockwave hits. <laughs> Everyone feels that shockwave smash into the USS Ross. Uh, the concussive force, even though the shockwave is basically, it's like a wave pouring over the top of the rock, like water crashing over the top of a rock instead of into it. But still, it's enough of a concussive force that the Ross is going to take a whopping 10 damage, which should drop shields. So that's going to be two breaches. Ay, ay, ay. Um, so we have not just one, but two holes in the ship. Cool, cool, cool. Tight, yep. tight, tight. Nice. That's the impact. Everyone feels it. The ship, the sparks on board the bridge pop, and you see a few of the consoles take damage. So now I'm going to have to go into the breaches table. Ross is a scale six ship. Yeah. I don't think I have the um, ability to edit in this unless I. No holes, no holes, no holes. I roll. Okay, weapon system. So you don't have to worry too much about that. So write this down. Um, that's going to be one breach, the weapon system. So when uh, you. So the weapons are basically taken offline. They'll just need to be repaired. Okay. Until, which is like a minor action. You don't have to worry about that, but let's see what the next one is. Uh, sensors. Oh no, sensors. Oh, oh. Sensors oh, also no! are not. Like, 
sensors are going to be knocked offline. Sensors. Oh, all tasks. Okay, hold up. Uh, no, sensors are still functioning, but okay. sensors are damaged. They are all scans. Everything requiring sensors increases in difficulty by one. Oh, okay. Um, we have engineers. And so the Ross takes two breaches. And uh, what does that put her shields at? Um, I am not entirely sure. Give me just a second. Some of this is so. Our current total is well. If we took ten damage, that that means I think we're at seven. Seven. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Uh, shields are the the the, ter- the total number of shields is seventeen. So if we took seventeen, 10, yeah, seven. you're at yeah. seven. So the shields held. Plus, you got some pretty tough hull plating. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this wasn't. This was not actually. You were not being hit by a weapon system, so uh, you guys see the bridge lights go flicker, flicker, and then one of the consoles sparks and explodes behind you, Exio, as you hear someone hitting the ground, and the Ross begins to drift a little bit. Vryn pulls themselves back up to the console and gets it under control. It says stabilizing, putting us back on axis, Captain. And you finally see the shockwave passes by all of you. Yeah. Um, uh, no idea how the civilian ships that were stationed around 621 are doing. Mm-hmm. But you see visibly Starbase 621, the lights are flickering. Yeah. Power all over the station from the exterior flickers on and off as it drifts slightly. Um, who who um, fell behind us? Because yes. Olympus went around and look at the uh, It's Yeri Prawl. All you right. See, you see some sizzling going up from the console, and Prawl is on the ground with his head, hands in front of his face. And he starts to pick himself up, but you can see burns all over his palms as he's trying to pick himself up off the ground. He goes, Ouch! Do you need sick bay? And he goes, No, no, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to need sick bay. Okay. I'll cover for now. See you back soon. Uh, Status report. Um, as Yeri Prawl steps away from the tactical, stepping up to take his place, why don't you give us a description of yourself, tactical officer, who's filling in for Lieutenant Commander Yeri Prawl? Oh boy, big shoes to fill. Uh, you see, uh, my beard disappeared for a second. You see a, uh, a middle-aged Tellarite man, a uh, little bit of the beard all around, uh, gray up in there. Uh, very sort of staunch-faced walking in, uh, taking measure of every uh, corner and edge, making sure everything is in the right place. As he comes in and takes a deep breath right before getting to uh, Prawl's space here up on the bridge. Okay. You take over at the tactical console. <clears throat> um, meanwhile, down in main engineering... Ensign Dari, who had been left in command and to oversee engineering, is currently nursing a very similar injury. There's three engineers that are on the ground right now that she's helping pick up. You hear, engineering to bridge. Yes. Commander, we took a hell of a hit just now. I'm going to have to take the warp core offline for a few minutes. Yes, if you deem it necessary, that uh, go ahead. We're going to switch to the secondary power systems in the secondary warp core in the saucer section. Should be enough to keep the Ross at full power, but I'm also going to need to go to sickbay. I'm going to hand things over. 
No problem. Uh, uh, Exio flips through who is next to command. Okay. Uh, and you see the file pop up. Uh, B. Dave, why don't you give us a description of your character and your name? Uh, hello. I'm Zephyr Howitzer. I'm happy to be working in engineering today. Uh, we're going to get this back online. Uh, not going to breach. Everything's going to be good. Zephyr Howitzer, human. <laughs> oh, boy. We have a human. Uh, mm -hmm. You see Lieutenant Zephyr Howitzer. Lieutenant Howitzer. Um, Captain, yep. It is a mess down here. Well, then let's do our best to clean it up. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we're going to try and get the warp core back online, but I figure we need to try and keep the shields up in case we get hit again. Yes, working on that currently. Um, we'll keep you in the loop. And I'll make sure you have all the power you need. You treat her like a lady, she'll get you home. <laughs> um, <laughs> real quick Exio that, contemplates that... whether or not this ship has a gender identity <laughs> and <laughs> and then um, considers it <laughs> I wonder so, if they have one <laughs> also because shields were raised um, go ahead and subtract uh, oh and the warp core was taken offline and one warp core is taken off so, so uh, subtract four power from the Ross's uh, uh, sheet okay Okay, so for the first time, for the first time ever, the Ross has been rocked by a serious impact. Yes. Um, it's the first time you've had to take the warp core offline like this, but the instability after the impact of the, of the shockwave is apparently severe. I'm gonna have uh, Lieutenant Howitzer go ahead and you, as you approach the engineering station, go ahead and make a roll, make your engineering check. This is gonna be control engineering and the Ross can help here. Is it engines engineering? Uh, yeah, uh, no, this actually be computers engineering. Cool. Does it, is it going to help with the number, or is it going to um, help just give us success? What What's that? Uh, the Ross helping is it going to uh, affect the roll, or is it going to give us success? It's going to. So yeah. So basically, Aki is going to roll a, a single die, mm -hmm. and the Ross is assisting to try to give you more successes. Got um, it. Because I know your character sheet, B. Dave, I can tell you that you have the warp core focus. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yeah, so, how, so that's how, going to come into play. How will how will that? So what what I have on the die is a two and a nineteen, which to okay. me is is a hit and a miss. But but fifteen. Well, control plus engineering is fifteen. I have not right. done anything for the warp core, but I'll have a nineteen on the die. But good news is is while the nineteen is dangerously close to being getting a complication. The two triggers a critical success. So you got two hey. successes. All right. Plus one from the Ross. So three hey. successes total. And the difficulty was only one. Um, yeah. Uh, here's the thing about the USS Ross. The Ross is the first star starship in history of this scale to have two fully operating warp cores at the same time. The, the smaller warp core located uh, uh, right here <laughs> in the saucer section and the main warp core, which is right here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the, the resulting of this is the Ross has a temperamental power system, even though it's been upgraded and updated where it doesn't require as much maintenance, getting rocked like this, there's so much power juiced up in the USS Ross that taking the warp core offline was the smart play. Even though right now systems are showing st stability, you don't want to have any kind of containment breach when you're in the middle of trying to recover. So with your successes, 
what you get is you're going to be able to restore um, roll a d6. We're going to kind of wing this, but I'm going to say because the Ross has two power warp cores, we're going to say that bringing the secondary warp core into the main power stream, four? Okay. <laughs> so uh, so add four back. That'll probably bring the Ross back up to full power. Right. So <laughs> secondary warp core restores the Ross. Um, shields are still down to seven, though. That has a couple, those, couple those of decks might lose replicator access for a couple right. hours there. Yeah, but one of the benefits of having two warp cores is the Ross is able to kind of pull this out of the hat. All right, things seem to be stabilizing, but you hear Vrins uh, say, oh, Commander, I've got casualty reports coming in from the ship. 14 wounded. Everyone else seems to have held minor damage to the hull. Nothing significant. When you said casualties, I thought something very different. Injuries. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. Be careful with your words when you are anxious, friend. I, 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 Commander. Um, uh, ha, okay. So, open, um, open communications. Uh, hail every ship. Uh, hail all the civilian ships. All right. Um, that would be, I think that's actually going to be you. Donkus. Yeah. Okay. So then I will. I will turn. Uh, uh, I will turn to the Tellerite and say, mm -hmm. "Welcome aboard, Lieutenant Donkus." Good to be aboard, Captain. A mm. little bit dusty around. Wish that everybody had handled everything better, but it could be worse. It definitely could, indeed, Lieutenant. Mm. Um, we don't know the status of the other ships, so this may end up being more of a rescue mission than we first anticipated. Um, and please open a, a, a comms to the rest of the the ships. We might need to um, provide much aid. So uh, also in the back of your mind, start planning. I'm talking to you. I just- I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I love it. I was like, do I do I say something or should I just- No, I should talk for, this for, way. For those of you all who don't know, Gina and Joey are literally sitting right next to each other. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, ruining the illusion of Zoom TTRPGs for everyone. Um, literally home gaming this right Yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Lieutenant Donkus, please start putting together a list of uh, security officers you deem uh, acceptable for this mission, okay. should there need be. Right away, Captain. Uh, and I'll go about uh, doing the thing the Captain said, uh, hailing frequencies to civilian ships, uh, seeing who needs aid, uh, yeah. reports of uh, casualties and injuries, all of that. Okay, go ahead, and we're going to say, um, actually, this would be a good opportunity for you to make a hold on one sec i've got your character sheet right here come on you were kind enough to give me your character sheet here we go okay um let's see because you're gonna okay so you're basically hailing all of the all of the vessels around and you're checking in to find out yeah just like a community uh status report okay um why don't we do this then Donkus, I'm going to say make a presence command check, and the Ross is going to use uh, communications and mm, what were the others? Let's see. We've never actually used the communication skill before. Did you do you realize that? <laughs> like, as far as I know, on this show, I don't know that we've ever used the communication skill. 
Um, we rarely actually roll for for uh, for establishing comms, so. It's true. In this case, though, I'm going to have the Ross roll. Um, I'm going to have you roll communications and command. Command, okay. Cool. Yeah. So the difficulty of this is going to be one. So tell me, you just need one success. Uh, I think I was aiming for a 13. I got an eight and a 14. So that's one success. One success. Okay, cool. I almost crit, but we did get an ex a success. Mm. Okay, so that's another momentum to the pool then. So make sure to keep track of that. Um, so, Donkus, what you get back is a lot of the civilian ships were able to get out of the way of the blast. Many of them were able to plot a course and do a quick warp jump to just out of range of the blast off. Mostly it was steering off of the, uh, the, the, the main part of the axis. They were able to dodge the worst blunt of that shockwave. Um, the few civilian ships that got hit with it um, were able to use the star base to its, their advantage and are not suffering any injuries right now. You do, hear, you do hear that there are some people that have been knocked around on the vessels, but because they're so much smaller than the Ross, they were able to get away with uh, not getting as much of a blow that the Ross did. Excellent. Um, yeah, uh, Lieutenant Cohn, any, any information on whether or not we're gonna get another one of those? Uh, Good question. Good, good, good question, Captain. Um, that I is what a captain is for, usually. Okay. Do I have what any information like that? You can roll well, for it. Ah, okay. Can we use our existing information? Um, uh, we're literally studying this phenomenon at the moment. Is it, can can that research provide a um, sort of bonus to the scene and advantage? Hmm. So you do have a point of origin. Yeah. We're able to pinpoint that almost immediately because it's not terribly far from where you all are. Yeah. Um, it, but it is a group, it is a, it's not, it's like not impulse distance where it's a warp distance away at least. Oh, okay. But the, uh, what but based on our past information, have there been multiple post pulses? Cause it's usually let that like center gravitational if you're in that blast, you're kind of screwed and tend to get sort of fried and, and stationary. But past the initial explosion, have we had any research done in whether it continues to sort of? No, it doesn't seem like there's any. Well, this this also is a little unique. What you're what you I'll give you this without having to spend momentum. But what the Ross has been able to determine on its sensors right now is that this shockwave does not does not is not. Uh, this hasn't been recorded by the Ross before. Okay. This is a different kind of shockwave that you haven't, you've not recorded this. Oh. Okay. Okay. How are we? I, I want to get back up to full. Where are our shields? <laughs> How are we? Full, full, full scale. Everyone, come together. Tell that me what's be, happening. That would be uh, engineering. And okay, Lieutenant. How no, is sir. How are yes. we doing? Yes, Captain. Uh, How are you no. doing? Uh, was better about an hour ago, uh, but we'll be better, <laughs> even better, an hour from now. Can't right? say that I was, Lieutenant, but I'm glad to hear that you were. <laughs> <clears throat> if uh, that shockwave was not the worst thing that's happened to you tonight, um, you have my sincerest um, sympathies. <laughs> 
how are we doing? I guess I had three successes, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, what? Um, so the Ross right now, shield power is down to seven, I believe is what you recorded. Is that right, Aki? So the shield power is down to seven, which is significant, but the Ross has an extraordinarily powerful shield system. All in all, all things considered, the Ross is fully operational. She just doesn't have her main warp core online. That's the only thing. Mm, How we long can before do that? Any, we could do anything other than jump out of here real quick. <laughs> Impulse power ah. only, Captain. Good to know. Um, and how far away did you say the origin was, Lieutenant Cohn? So, Cohn, go ahead and roll a science check, because this is going to... You've got the point of origin. Um, let's go ahead and use this as a roll to generate more momentum. So I'll put this difficulty of this is zero. This is like science and reason? Yeah, reason, science, and then the Ross is going to roll uh, sensors and computer. Uh, I'm sorry, sensor science. Start mm -hmm. working at the controls, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't think like this. <sighs> okay. <laughs> you know, Commander, if uh, worse comes to worse and we can't get that second warp core online anytime soon, we could always try something we haven't tried before. Forgive me, I had a glitch in my system. Repeat that? I was mentioning that if worse comes to worse and we can't get the secondary, uh, the, the main warp core online, we do have one sitting right underneath our butts, and we could still go wherever we want. We just have to leave part of the ship behind. <sighs> and we haven't done it before. Bless you, Karen. Thank you, Lieutenant. Um, well, did, did we find out how far away? Uh, one success there. on that? One success? Okay. Yeah. What did the Ross roll? Also success. So add two momentum to your pool. We've spent one, right? So we're currently at four. No, I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm not telling. We are at full as yeah, far we're as like, up. yeah, we're okay. full up. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm doing my best to juice y'all up <laughs> with. You don't with want to. Can't imagine why. Like no. Oh boy. Like, I mean, clearly we're just gonna relax here and dock this space station for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I don't see why we need all this. <laughs> Hubbub in uh, cannot escape at high warp. Commander? Uh, Commander, I'd like to voice one slight concern if I'm not overstepping my bounds. Absolutely, uh, Lieutenant Donkus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, you, you, uh, just real quick, y'all have major echo. <laughs> just giving y'all a heads up. Yeah, uh, uh, there, we go. there we go. If the shockwave hit us and it didn't seem to have dissipated, uh, that shockwave's keeping going. We may want to send a uh, warning frequency to any other mm, ships, anything in the distance that may be nearby. That is an excellent insight, Lieutenant Tomkis. Uh, you're free. Please do so. Mm. Uh, yeah, if there's any uh, way to... Yeah. No, you just say it and do it. Like, that's just sitting at an emergency frequency to let everybody know, like, hey, just so you know. Okay. A big ass wave is headed your way. <laughs> Watch out! <laughs> don't don't be don't be caught unawares. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And while you're at it, please hail the admiral. All right. So hailing the admiral. Yes. Coming up on screen, you see the admiral's face, and she looks disheveled, and you see a cut on her brow. It's uh. Judging from what you are seeing on the view screen of the of like the background of the starbase, they got hit 
really hard. You can see emergency crews behind her as she's just touching her forehead. And she she waves off a medic who's immediately trying to like help her out. She goes, "Get stop," and says, "Commander Exio, what's the status of the Ross?" Uh, we are at full uh, power, Admiral, but our shields are still down. To not full. How how are things over where you are? We've You're right. Sustained some heavy injuries over here. The Starbase's hull took the brunt of it, but we've experienced significant power fluctuations throughout the Starbase. Right now we have plasma conduits rupturing on multiple decks. We're trying to get emergency crews to repair them. Do you have a point of origin on the shockwave? We do. Uh, one moment, sir. Um, and I uh, sort of wave to Lieutenant uh, Cone to, to um, uh, send that information over to the Admiral. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So she takes a look at it and what you get is it's about let's see one second it's about three light years from here so this shockwave has been traveling has been traveling some time this has been traveling through space for it to get to point of origin you would need to travel at warp seven for a full day so this shockwave has been on the move for some time. But no one detected it until 45 seconds before it hit? Yeah. Not only that, but the sheer magnitude of its force from traveling for three light years indicates that wherever its point of origin was must have been apocalyptic, wherever it took place at. Admiral, do we have a list of ships and or stations that might be between here and that point? You see she sighs with this irritation. You can see it in her face, uh, Exio, as she says, currently the USS Ross is the only ship in operations in this area. Which means I'm sending you to investigate. Get your primary warp core back online as soon as you can and immediately proceed to the origin point of the shockwave to discover what caused this. And I'm not done talking with you, Commander. Of course not. I'll see you when we get back, Admiral. 61 out. And then a smile. <laughs> All right. You heard so, me. You heard the Admiral. Get our shields back up and let's move out. Captain. Um, yes, Lieutenant. It, it, it is quite puzzling why long-range sensors wouldn't have picked this up. I, I would suggest you have engineering examine our long-range sensors to make sure they're functioning, but I would also like to get to work examining uh, these polaronic particles uh, to see if perhaps it can recalibrate the sensors in such a way that we might pick up a second wave if it comes this way. Yes, um, I'll have you coordinate um yes um please coordinate with uh lieutenant howitzer uh lieutenant howitzer correct lieutenant howitzer um yes captain that's zephyr howitzer yes lieutenant howitzer please 
Oh, 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 Vrain swivels around in his chair and looks at you and says, Polaronic. That's yes, the stuff sir. that. So, okay. Okay, this is wild, and I'm not I'm not science guy. Yeah, the, the Andorian looks over at you. You uh, are not. And I'm not. I'm definitely not. But I know at least a little bit about uh, how things travel, and you know, being helmsman and all. Um, the cat said something about subspace and and these particle fountains and everything that we're studying. Yes. Is it, okay, so I know that that's linked to some kind of polaronic energy that we've been tracking down from all this stuff that we've encountered recently in the torpedo and all that crap but commander what if what if the polaronic energy had some kind of interaction with subspace and maybe that's why we didn't detect it on long-range sensors like maybe it was kind of like traveling through subspace or something in in which case maybe maybe it's time to get like dr yada on the or yugos or or uh or i could shut up that's yes. always a viable option. Yes, Commander. And he swivels back in his chair. <sighs> Lieutenant Cohn. Lieutenant Howitzer, could you please meet me in Cetacean Ops? I believe we're going to pull a very, very long session right now. I'm on the way. As the three <sighs> of you leave the bridge, um, Olin, you are feeling the collective thousands of crew members on board and their panic from the impact of that shockwave. Ox crew is keeping it together, but you can feel um, there is a lot of frightened people on board, particularly because some of the folks, if you remember, since the mandate got passed down the ranks, the Ross has been allowed to have families on board again ever since you all left Shackleton Expanse. There's a lot of folks that are pretty spooked right now, and you're beginning to feel it. It's kind of creeping in as you're sitting there. And you can tell because Patience is looking at you, sitting there very calmly next to you. Um, also a little rattled, but Patience being very privy to how you interact is staring at you with concern. Olin, like, reaches out and gives, you know, Patience a little scritch behind the ears um, and then kind of like sits back in their chair um, and I guess is contemplating how they can help in this situation mm -hmm. um, because this isn't a diplomatic thing. It's a science thing. And yeah, they mostly just kind of sit quietly in contemplation about how they can possibly like reduce some of the strain um, on board and that's kind of where they okay. that's kind of where they are right now you can feel it getting a little closer as leaving the helm station after xeo exits the bridge vren moves over and sits in the center chair <laughs> he settles into it for a moment and uh just oh okay How does as you see one of the ox crew take his station at helm and vren just kind of scratches his neck for a moment and says um Keep feeding uh, damage reports and status reports across the decks to this uh, station here at the command chair, please. It slaps his legs a little bit and goes, okay, okay. Uh, Olin reaches into like the little side compartment next to their chair uh -huh. and pulls out a rubber ball and hands it to Vren. 
That's where they keep it. Oh. You didn't find out from me. Oh, oh, oh. He just holds the ball up and just says, oh. Use the responsibility wisely or you won't get to keep it. Um, down at Cetacean Ops. <laughs> so the three of you arrive at basically the same time. Cetacean Ops, for those of you who have not yet been to Cetacean Ops, is a very large deck. Uh, enlarged by meaning it is an open, a wide open space that has a large glass wall. This is on deck 13, and it takes up a vast majority of this deck because not only does it function as an operations area for the cetacean officers on board, but it's also uh, a place where a stellar cartography operates on board the vessel. When you all walk in, you step into a very cool blue glow of cetacean ops. On the other side of the glass, you see there be whales here. Um, there are cetacean officers. Uh, you see uh, whales, indeed, uh, swimming about inside their operations area with holographic displays in front of them and a few of the, the metal plants on the side of their head that allow them to communicate. Um, at the one of the windows, you see a very large orca-sized uh, whale, or a cetacean officer, I should say, um, hovering an Odanian, which is sort of like a distant, like, cousin, if you want to say, at least in appearance to some of the cetaceans that you have seen uh, in Star Trek and on Earth. Um, and what you see as you are stepping into this is you see one of the one of the officers uh, that's hovering up there is standing in front of Dr. Yugos, who is the Jashashian that you've all had first contact with. Yugos looks rattled. His first subspace shockwave. He's kind of just like... And Yada is just talking to him, and he's just nodding along with it. When the three of you walk in, um, he stands up from the floor. As you see, a couple of Federation science officers are moving about the area. And you hear from the overhead, as Dr. Yada, the cetacean officer on the other side of the glass underwater, you hear the calming voice of Dr. Yada say, Ah, Commander, that was quite the bumpy ride. It got a little sloshy in here. I hope it wasn't too much for you to handle, Dr. Yada. No, in fact, I feel bad for you all. As you might imagine, Cetacean Ops, it was just a mild ripple. Let me introduce you to Lieutenant Howitzer and Lieutenant Cohn. Um, they will be um, interfacing with you as I think we all could use a little insight into what you and Lieutenant Lucat have been researching. Very well. What um, can I do for you uh, specifically? Dr. Yada stands up and says, yes, any, any help we can be. Well, <sighs> Lieutenant Cohn discovered that the uh, with the, or, the point of origin of the shockwave, but we were not oh. notified until 45 minutes prior. Oh, yes. Um, or 45 seconds, forgive me. 45 seconds, is that usual for a shockwave? And Dr. Yada pops up and says, not with our modern technologies, no. It used to be in a period of time where we would encounter shockwaves throughout space considering most of them do travel at the speed of, or close to the speed of light, I should say, um, but not all of them. Uh, we've gotten quite good at detecting when they're incoming. Our long-range sensors are quite powerful. It's not usual, and I think our science officer, Dr. Cohn, would agree, and you just see uh, the cetacean officer's head kind of angle towards you. 
it's extremely unusual, uh, but 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 the, the hypothesis about subspace being involved is, is, is it's quite it's quite intriguing, and, and, and uh, it's a little premature to pronounce on it right now. But there 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 definitely could be something there. Yugos pipes up immediately and goes subspace. Something about subspace. What what's happened? The possibility that the wave traveled through subspace, uh, evading our long-range sensors. Uh, if such a thing is true, we, we could we could get hit with another wave just like it, forty-five seconds from now. Uh, anything is possible. One of the Ox Crew ensigns looks up from their data pad a few feet away, and just looks super nervous and they just nod and go back to their data oh, pad we're just hypothesizing there's, there's no reason to be nervous i mean we're not probably going to hit by another wave 45 seconds from now although on the other hand dr yugos is like that's incredible a subspace shockwave it's not unheard of but at one of that size that would rattle the ross a subspace shockwave may i see the data that you've collected maybe i could um Maybe, oh, oh, Dr. Yada, would you like to help me? And Yada says, oh, no, no, this is not my area of expertise. If you want a second pair of eyes, I could certainly help there. But I'm I'm student in the class right now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's very kind of you. Um, let me see here. Mm, I see. Um, polaronic energies. And he looks up at you, Exio. I'm guessing you saw that part. There is Polaronic a reason energies. we did come here. Polaronic energies in a shockwave of that magnitude is unheard of. I've never heard of polaronic energies being used. Polaronic energies, by their very nature, tend to drain energy. They, they tend to be a source of uh, uh, power degradation. It might even be theorized that the original shockwave was even more magnificent than the one that struck us. Um, Likely. That's unusual, though. There might be there might be a connection. Polaronic energies being seen in a shockwave like this. And it, connection to what? Well, um, not to continue to alarm anyone. But, but he looks over at Doctor Yada and says, "Don't worry, I'm thinking the same thing." Doctor Yada says, and Yugos turns back to everyone and says, "There's no need for hesitation." Well, it's possible that our theory that someone is trying to manipulate subspace to create particle fountains, this could be someone trying to do that. Or this could be them doing that. It's, oh. it's possible that when we arrive at the point of origin, we might find a particle fountain waiting for us. and. If we do, the impact of a particle fountain being artificially created in such a violent manner could have repercussions on subspace across the entire quadrant. Yeah. Uh, have I seen the sensor data of, of where this originated from? Yes. I realize this is near the old neutral zone slash demilitarized zone. Um, from where we can tell this originated, whose space would this, did this originate from Federation space? Um, mm, this is kind of, so ever since the Dominion War ended, a lot of the borders have been shifting back to where they were before the war began. Where this 
point of origin originated from puts it somewhere between the Cardassian and Federation border. It was originally the demilitarized zone. It was originally sort of no man's land, as it were. But as it is right now, it's kind of it's kind of like an open border. It's nobody's it's really nobody's territory right now. But it is in the direction of Cardassia space, yes. And it's south mm -hmm. of Zinkethi space. So um yeah. Hmm. Okay. Galactic salvage, I'd say. Yeah. When we are preparing, prepare for the worst case scenario. I'd rather start uh, large and then be relieved if we are wrong. Do you understand? I think so. Um, Lieutenant Howitzer. Captain. How long before we have our shields full? Uh, the shields are coming along nicely. It's the warp cord that was a little bit of a, more of an obstacle. Shouldn't be too terribly much longer. A couple of hours, I think. Hmm. If you Is... want the whole ship. Do we need the whole ship? I mean, you could proceed. So the maximum warp with the secondary warp core uh, is warp six. So it'd take you a hot minute to get there because that's a significant difference from warp seven, believe it yeah, or not. Yeah, we need the full um, thing. But if you if you wanted to get the ship back online, that would just be a rolling to get the repairs done. And that would just be... Well, one day I'm going to get my saucer separation. One day. <laughs> I mean, let you me could see, do it. You let me see could. what I can do because what the captain needs, the captain gets. So I guess uh, I roll two. Okay, so normally this would be what's oh, called an extended task. But in this mm. particular case, since I'm not going to time this thing out, um, I'm going to set this as a pretty steep difficulty. So I'm going to set it at a difficulty. Well, I shouldn't say steep, but a challenging difficulty. We're going to set it at a difficulty three. Now, you are going to get some assistance. Even though Dari is offline, the Ross is going to assist you on this. What's up? With the warp core, my warp core focus, does that, yeah. that makes it crit on a on a four, on a one to four? Or how does that work? Sorry. What's your engineering skill? My engineering is four. So one to four, you get a crit. Well, I have three successes myself then. <laughs> okay. That's phenomenal. What did you yeah. get, Ross? Nothing. Ross is right. help. She's still so, cranky. So then in that case, we'll just say narratively what happens is, is when you get the order to get that primary warp core back online, that's your cue to get down to engineering and organize those teams, get those electroplasma conduits stabilized and nothing blows up on anybody and get that primary warp core back online. So you stomp out of the room, headed hey, straight down to engineering. We're sitting ducks down here. Come on, people. Let's move, 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 move. Um, okay. <laughs> They don't mean real ducks, right? We're not, not again. Yugos goes, what, what is a duck? <sighs> a menace. And she, she blips uh, uh, after giving you, uh, mm. where are you most comfortable working, Lieutenant Cohn? Uh, I, I, can, I, I, can, I can set up shop in uh, Science Bay. Um, uh, I would like to start running some tests to see if uh, there's any subspace residues. Uh, I'm to think what 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 would the cat do? What would the cat? Do? <laughs> you guys laughs. This is. I often ask myself that as well. Um, may I join you? Please. 
think... you, 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 you'll be fine here, Dr. Yada? <laughs> Dr. Yada says, it's my deck, Dr. Yugas. I'll be fine. Thank you. Go and work with Dr. Cohn and come to me if you need any help. And with that, just kind of nods and starts pumping his fluke and begins to immediately move away from the glass. Um, and turning back from away from the glass, uh, Dr. Yada says, yes, uh, lead the way. Some cat would think of something brilliant. So all we have to do is think of something brilliant. Or they would say something incredibly odd and dark. As the two of you walk out, maybe I should say something odd and dark as the door closes. <laughs> I give one last head nod to Dr. Yada. Um, and then blip back to the bridge. Okay. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, Rick, let's go ahead and have Lieutenant Cone roll. So with this roll, um, you're going to get an assist from Dr. Yada and the USS Ross. Do you mean Dr. Yugos? I'm sorry, Yugos, yeah. I named both my science officer, my science NPCs with Y names, and I have only myself to blame. Um, okay, so we're going to make a, I'm going to set the difficulty for this at three. So this is and science and reason? Science and reason. Um, and could I, like, would, like, physics apply as a focus? Uh, let's see. Astrophysics would absolutely apply as a focus. Yes. Astrophysics would great. Yeah, absolutely. And is this sensor got... science for the Sensor science. But it's at plus one difficulty because the sense, uh, oh, yeah, so it'll be difficulty four because the sensors are still being repaired. So, uh, but go ahead and roll your dice and tell me what you get. All right, with the astrophysics focus, that is two successes. What'd the Ross get? All right, well, luckily, Dr. Yugos also got a success, so that's four. Um, so it's it's a punishing equation to chomp on, Dr. Uh, Lieutenant Cohn, because as, as you and Dr. Uh, Yugos sit down and start looking at the data, you begin to realize the complexity of this to try to to try to disentangle polaronic energy from a subspace shockwave and build a model of what could have caused this. The two of you basically go to work. While all of this is happening, Donkus is having to coordinate security teams all across the deck because uh, the security teams are basically what's keeping people like everyone who reported to their safety areas when everyone calls for brace for impact. Um, medical areas are being set up all over the ship because uh, sick bay kind of got flooded a little bit. Even though the Ross has multiple sick bays, um, there's a medical facility on deck twelve. Main sick bay is on deck twelve. There's a sick bay on deck twenty and a deck thirty one. Um, those all got pretty much filled up. So you've been coordinating, like getting people situated in and organizing people's visits into sick bay. Every bruised elbow gets looked at. Every bent finger. Every scrape. Every cut. Everybody's okay. But what you get is the ship is mostly rattled. Olin, you find yourself kind of fulfilling the role that Exio might be taking on right now were she not in command. You find yourself crew morale officer right now. You are going around and making sure everyone's okay. You're saddened to find that the the that some of the uh, the windows including the wall of glass to your ambassador office has been damaged from the impact of the shockwave. Easy to repair, but it just underscores how intense that shockwave was. 
I think uh, Olin replicated a bunch of chocolates, and every time they see a kid, they just can't, <laughs> like, give them a chocolate. Mm, nice. Nice. Okay. Um, so everyone is basically put to work. Because of the because you nailed that success rolls, uh, it takes about 45 minutes for the USS Ross to come back onto full power and online. So she gets restored to full power. The shields, um, how, okay, so you rolled, you got four successes, right? No, no, that was a science roll. How many successes did you get, B. Dave? Do you remind me? Three, and the Ross got one, right? Three with the three with the crit. Right, right, with the crit. Okay, cool. So then, um, go ahead and um, I'm gonna say uh, add one power back to the shields, so that'll put you guys back up to eight, and those can just power up as y'all go. Shields are easy enough to regenerate. They regenerate over time. You can also burn points of power off of the sheet and sink one of those into the shields as well. But uh, at this point, you guys start to feel pretty safe that a second shockwave isn't coming. So I leave it to you, but if you want to stay at red alert, that might be the safe thing. Yeah, we're going to stay at red alert. Uh, okay. But um, so we, we are good to uh, to depart, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Then um, worse than the speed, you get to pick it. Yes, I will uh, have Lieutenant Donkus send uh, the Admiral our itinerary. Okay. And um, let her know. Yep. And then I I, I turn to Vren, um, and instinctively my hand goes for the ball, which is no longer there. <laughs> Must have gotten shaken loose. And yeah, and 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 Exio makes like a note to go look for it before, um, mm-hmm. but uh, and then says, um, uh, "Okay, Vren, take us out, uh, warp seven. Let's get there." I commander warp seven. You see the starbase in the main view screen angle away as the Ross begins to pull out from her docking position, and of course, do laid we, in. We don't have civilians on board, correct? You do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are Should... civilians on board. This is a uh, it, for something this dangerous. Is it protocol to leave uh, civilians on? No, unfortunately, the unfortunately, if you are a civilian and you get on board a starship, you're okay. basically it's a contract you enter into. The Starfleet operations have to take precedence. So sure, but we are at a station right now that they can yeah, but... get off at. But two thousand plus crew members, uh, and six hundred of them are officers, and, and the, the station just got beat up too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you no problem. Have... Sometimes we just had a civilian drop off, so I just wanted to make sure. Sure. While we were still at the station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before so, we went towards a volcano. Tons of scientists and enlisted on board. Uh, ton- and uh, great. Yeah. So, all right. So y'all set off. You set a course for warp seven, and the yeah. loss goes. And you guys leap to warp. It'll be precisely one day traveling at warp seven to arrive on the scene. And you looking at the galactic map, Exio, can see that yes, you are being taken closer to the uh, old, some of the old borders of the Cardassian uh, Union. Okay. Um, in all honesty, unless y'all want to do anything, we can do a time skip. Uh, I, I would like one yeah. more scene yeah, do um, with uh, the ambassador. Okay. So um, once we've set off, I will uh, turn and just say, may I see you in the ready room? Of course, Captain. You may. And shoop, shoop. And um, 
um, how's the crew? It feels weird being here without Saul. Yeah. Two of you step into the room. A little shaken up, but there was a bit of panic uh, among our civilians, but everybody uh, held themselves together according to the standard that we are used to on the ship. That's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Um, now, um, as for before everything else happened, um, that was quite a meeting. I, I, I do believe that the Admiral is worried. Possibly not so much for the Captain, but definitely for themselves. But they do have some worry for the Captain. I, there was a lot of threats, but they seemed empty enough. So, to be fair to the Admiral, we, we did put her in a fairly difficult position. Absolutely. As I'm sure every captain does to their admiral. But um, I, I did want to ask if there was any channels that you knew to smooth the captain's inevitable um, reprimanding. They were threatened with demotion, and I cannot attest to that part as the crimes are not levied against me, but... I'm not entirely sure. I'm the person with the correct influence, though I could certainly reach out to the cabinet and if they'll listen to me, I could plea on Cap uh, Captain Sol's behalf. But I think that um, our yeoman is probably going to have the better insight on what our options are as far as potential yes. legal avenues. No, of course, um, uh, they are currently working on that, but I mean more so in terms of the reputation. Um, legal actions are legal actions, but if we can, I'd like to save, I'd like to do everything I can to make sure that everyone aboard this ship, including the captain's um, rank and, and status amongst the Federation are not too badly destroyed. Well, given the nature of um, the captain's mission, I highly doubt that anyone that um, this directly affects will be upset if they succeed. This I'm is what I said. About... <laughs> the thing is, we, you and I both know how they operate. Yes. And we know how this ship operates. We've... Cell <laughs> is not the only one that's gotten away with... Um, Less than stellar behavior. Again, and again, and you see Exio like starting to like pace now that now that she's allowed to be anxious <laughs> right, right. and like annoyed about it is like, mm -hmm. these are all the things, I, 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 I put up a good fight for our captain, uh, ambassador, and I, I know nothing will go wrong, but I, I just wanted to talk out the possible options of an ace up our sleeves so that when the captain gets back, we can ease their mind. I mean, at this point, is there any other answer but Captain Sol is the ace of our sleeve and has been all this time? And you see the shoulders kind of dip and... And Captain Sol knew exactly what it was they were, the, the consequences they might be facing when they 
took this mission on. They are not going to be surprised by whatever fallout or repercussions are awaiting them when they get back. In fact, I would say they're probably completely prepared to lose their position. That's not to say that we should allow that to happen, but nothing surprises Captain Sull. Yes. I think, um, I just, I don't want them to not be captain of this ship, Roland. The ship needs them still, and I need them still. I am acting captain, but I am not captain. I still have stuff to learn. So thank you for being by my side. This is going to be quite a test of my character. I think uh, Captain Sol would be the first to say that there are some things you only learn when the captain isn't aboard about what it takes to be a captain. Well then, let me be the captain who is an expert in subspace par particles that are somehow being employed in our field without our knowledge against our will. And I guess I should, um... Oh. Yes? I like a good oh. I had oh, not... and a face touch too. <clears throat> Even considered the possibility. Well, consider it. You had mentioned subspace particles. Do you recall the last time we were uh, next to a particle fountain and we had contact with that one species? The- The Jashashians. No, the, the flying carpet creature. Oh, yes. We understand through various uh, encounters that we've had on, the, on our mission that there are creatures that exist outside of what we consider to be normal, a typical space. Yes. What if it's not just, oh, I'm not the scientist aboard the ship, but what if we're not dealing with just typical space beings? What if whoever else is mixed up in this isn't actually someone we could see or hail or, or physically touch, what if they exist on subspace? Then we have quite a lot more research we need to do. And luckily, we're going straight towards it. <laughs> if uh, I, make, I make a quick like post it and, and like ping send it to the group as a possible further hypothesis. <laughs> okay. The only reason I even thought of that is I was trying to think of how I could help. And obviously my strength lies in communication, talking to things in order to make them not do something or make them hope or convince them to do something we want them to do. Of course. And this is an enemy I can't really talk to unless it's not. Hmm. <sighs> 
Well, we were able to communicate with the what did what 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 was the species uh, designation end up being? Ah, uh, the Mizuiro. What? That's what it was called. Are you talking about the planet? No, I was talking about oh, the space one. The magic. Oh, oh. I don't remember. We never never came up with one unidentified alien. The only communication I had with them was through my emotion. I was able to feed them mine, and they mm -hmm. fed me yours. And then, of course, we had the um. The the uh, entities that uh, we you communicated with in the sick bay, the sick bay, we've had a lot of exposure to species that are don't communicate, don't even exist on the same plane of existence as us. Well, any more options that lead to a non-intentional malicious plan is always, I suppose, a good thing. Mm -hmm. Or we could be dealing with a hostile sub, uh, sub subspace species that's in cahoots with whoever else is. There are multiple theories that could abound. Here we are yes, with our are. red here we are with our red string in our cork board. <sighs> but we don't have LeCat here to do it, so we must. <sighs> All right. Well, we've got a full day and a whole lot of red string. Shall we? Red doesn't really go with my uniform, but I'll make it work. <laughs> I'm literally wearing the white, the most. I know, and I'm in red. <laughs> um. All right. That's, some, yeah, that's the scene. Let's at some get point, to the thing. Uh, real quick, at some yeah. point. Uh, as you exit, as you exit your ready room, um, Yeoman Asmi Chanteau approaches you and says, Commander, I was wondering if, not now, uh, but maybe when we have some downtime in a little bit, if we, if I could have a word with you about the situation. I've Ooh. got a suggestion and I... I'm all ears. I, I'm not exactly going to be sleeping. Okay. Um... It has to do with the captain and how to get them out of this mess. I, Good, I was just discussing that with the ambassador. Oh, I have an idea, but the captain would not like it. I might. And I think the captain owes me one at this point. Um, at about that point, there is a chirping alert going off at the tactical station. I, I do uh, have one quick aside. Yeah. Uh, that as I came out of the ready room and we were kind of settling back into place, uh, Olin kind of reached into like their side, their little side compartment, pulled out one of the chocolates and like reached up over over their head and like set it in front of Lieutenant Donkus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Space is haunted. <laughs> okay. So real quick, Donkus, I'm gonna need you to make a control. Uh, I'll have you make a control security check, and I'm going to have the Ross do a sensor security. Uh, the difficulty of this is only one. Control security, sensor security. Okay. Or uh, rather, I'm sorry, it's two. That's twice as difficult. Is that ship assisting? Oh, uh, that's uh, two successes. So we're good. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And one from the Ross. Okay, so gain another momentum. Um, 
Where are Long we at? Do we have floating momentum at this point? Yeah, I feel like we have a lot of floating momentum. That, yeah. that should be, that's six by my total. I don't know what constitutes yeah. floating, but that's... Okay. So, mean, while, while you are just settled back onto the bridge, we're going to say this has been about, uh, we'll say it's been about, like, maybe about 22 hours. Y'all have been at warp. You've gotten some information back. Uh, from Doctor, from Lieutenant Cohn and uh, Doctor Yugos, they are on the brink of figuring out what's going on and how this interacted with space. Um, that's going to come up in just a moment. But the chirp, tactical chirp, goes off as you detect a ship at long range. Uh, Captain. Yes, Lieutenant. We have a ship at long range. Uh, any further information I can give Captain on this? You can burn a momentum to get more information, but right now, long-range sensors are only picking up a vessel. Is it toward? Is it towards the? Mm-hmm. Ah, it's dead ahead. Let's find out more information. The cap, uh, the admiral, uh, informed me that there should not be any ships in this sector. Would you like me to hail a frequency? You can burn that point of momentum and I'll tell you what it is. Uh, burn it. Everybody okay with it? All right. Burn it away. So you see the tactical readout come up on your screen, Donkus. You see what looks like from according to long range sensors, a Keldon class Cardassian warship. And this is the heaviest warship in the Cardassian fleet. Um, and judging from long range sensors, uh, it is functioning at minimal power. And that's where we have to pause for our break because it's 8.05. So we will be back in 10 minutes, everyone. Don't go anywhere. See you in just a minute. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to jump right back into our game tonight. The USS Ross is en route right now to the center point of this shockwave that just exploded outwards into the Alpha, into the alpha Quadrant damaging Starbase 621 and damaging the USS Ross. After systems were restored, we are now on our way to the point of origin of this shockwave. Um, after traveling at warp seven for about a day, you guys have detected on long range sensors, the presence of a Keldon class Cardassian cruiser, which is currently functioning on low power. Um, Right now, you're not getting any more information coming in, but you do see the tactical display come up on the main view screen. And yeah, this ship, the registry has it listed as the Rovat, R-O-V-A-T. Uh, all right. Um, and and th them being in this area would not be unheard of. We're right on the, the corner of their their space, correct? Them being we're, in this area wouldn't be unusual, except for the fact that Keldon class war cruisers have all been bit decommissioned since the end of the Dominion War. Because oh. as, as a condition of the Treaty of Bajor, the Cardassian people no longer have a military. It's very similar to how things ended for Japan in World War II when the military was kind of made into a defense force only. And in this case, Keldon class cruisers are the heaviest warships the Cardassian military had at its disposal. Highly unlikely this is just a civilian-run operation out here in a Keldon-class cruiser. But we can't be too sure about that, can we? You never know. 
Well, it, we're at red alert anyway. Um, so no reason to change what we're doing. Um, I would say to uh, Lieutenant Donkus that when we get in range to hail, um, find out if they are in danger and in need of assistance. You could hail them from here. Okay, then yeah. let's hail them. Uh, I'd like those. to. I'd like to send a message down to my ambassador, ambassadorial crew to ask them to like give me the full history of the Ravat, like everything that it's ever done, what happened to it when the war ended. Like I, I like I'd like to add that information onto this. Okay, then I'm going to have you make the role for computer's command, but I'll have the Ross assist on that, and that'll basically be your uh, diplomatic staff going to work for you. I'll let Joey uh, resolve his stuff first. Okay. So, you open a hailing frequency, Donkus, mm. and you get no reply. Captain, there's nothing on the other line. Uh, I flip a glance to the ambassador, um, and then I... Uh, uh, Lieutenant Donk, um, they may not have communication capabilities. Um, let's send a message. All right. Um, and once it's on screen, I will say this is Captain Exio of the USS Ross. We understand that there has been a shock wave and you are operating at low power. Are you in need of assistance? There's no response. That was the president's yeah. command role you wanted? Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to ask Lieutenant Cohn to also make a reason science check, and the Ross will need to help with that one as well. All right. Uh, cool. So the so president's command for me, plus a, uh, a check from the Ross as well for that role to get information about the robot. Uh-huh. What's the difficulty? Uh, difficulty is one. And for the Ross, it's computers. It's going to be computers command. Computers command. Okay. I'm rolling for myself and the Ross right now. Here we go. All right, do it. Any of my focuses applicable here, or uh, let me look. Holy crap! Are you serious? Wow. Okay. Um. Let's see what my good, is. good, holy crap, wow, are you serious? Or bad, good, holy crap, wow, are you serious? Not great, fam. It's, it's not great. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I'm i sorry, can you tell me what my difficulty was one more time? I apologize. Uh, uh, the difficulty was one. Oh, cool. I did yeah. succeed. I got two successes, but really okay. very barely because I rolled... <laughs> the Ross didn't help me at all. I uh, I rolled two <laughs> I, two 17s and a 16. Oh, wow. Okay. Just, just Thank you, Ross. Um, Thank you, Ross, for no help whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So I'll answer your question real quick. The, the Ravat was a ship that served in the Dominion War. Its fate is unknown, according to Starfleet records. And that's about it. Okay. That is all that is known. Ghost and then I'm rolling for okay, that's better. You got a success from the Ross Rick. Uh, yeah, I got one myself. You got one success yourself, and yeah. what, I'm sorry. What did the Ross get on that? Uh, it rolled a five. 
So oh, okay. just one success. So two successes total. Um, what was the difficulty of that? Uh, difficulty of that one was one. Lieutenant Cohn, you are detecting. Okay, so we are, just so we know, we are at full. Cool. The Lieutenant Cohn, you are detecting the presence of some pretty unusual energy readings in this area. A lot of uh, what appears to be disruptions in subspace. Little pockets of disruptions in subspace. Uh, Captain, um, I, I, I think we have some kind of a situation here. Um, if, 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 if these readings are correct, uh, we are we are picking up um, all, all kinds of disruptions in subspace. Just pockets of, of, of these strange disruptions. I'm not entirely sure what to make of it, but um, it, 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 quite quite unusual, Captain. Do you have a map of them so we know where to avoid? Uh, I, I, I can, I will get busy formulating one. Um, if 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 uh, we, we can figure out how to do that, I'm going to conference yeah. with um, uh, Yaris. Doctor Yugas. Doctor Yugas. If so, if you if you have any ways to map where we should not be flying into, please send the relevant information to um, Lieutenant Fren. Yes, Captain. So we'll get to that in a second. But as you set to work. Uh, Lieutenant Cohn, what you realize as you start opening up um, all the different programs that are available for you on the science station, what you begin to realize is two things. Thanks to the exploratory missions of a uh, Miranda class, or I should say a, uh, a Nova class uh, USS Sally Ride in the Shackleton Expanse, a lot of what is known about mapping subspace anomalies uh, while traveling at warp is well documented and well known. Um, as a result of the USS Ross's mission in the Shackleton Expanse, same. You actually have a huge tool set to work with in sort of categorizing everything that you need to in order to map out when you guys might come across the quote unquote bump in the road. But also because we never resolved that incredible success you got earlier with Dr. Yugos when y'all were trying to analyze the weapon or the, uh, the, the, the signatures left, what you've discovered is, is that whatever caused this shockwave was artificial and probably a weapon of some kind, a detonating force that took place. Um, that has given you enough information that you can probably start jotting down exactly where these tears would appear. But unfortunately, they're going to appear at random. So all you guys are going to get is a few moments warning before you come across them, which means the Ross. That's all Bren needs sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, as y'all are traveling at warp, it's going to be bumpy as y'all get closer to the starship. Oh, Captain, I'm, I'm, I don't really like this. It doesn't really look like we're going to be able to map these with, with any degree of uh, pre precision. Um, uh, uh, we will proceed with extreme caution as there is also an unknown mystery box waiting for us in that ship. May the prophets be with us. Um, you see uh, Asmi Shanto, who is the Bajoran uh, yeoman, who is seated just a few feet away from uh, the commander, kind of nods to you. Um, and she is, of course, wearing the traditional earring as well. So she nods to you when you say that, and you you can see her lips move as she's muttering it back to herself and turns back to her science station. Um, the closer you guys get, the bumpier the ride gets. 
Um, every now and then, the Ross shudders as she comes across what is essentially a bump in subspace. But it's enough to do damage to the shields. So as each time y'all are going to get closer and closer, it is going to damage the shields. Not only is it going to damage the shields, but these rifts in subspace are very similar to what you all encountered in the Shackleton Expanse. So much so that, coming, uh, that bumping into one actually runs the risk of burning out a shield emitter, which can only be replaced at a starbase. That means your shields could accidentally be permanently reduced in power. Let's not do that. Um, but it's also for the science officers at the front of the ship painting a picture of what you guys are walk or like going into right now. This is definitely some subspace disruptions taking place. For this to be happening at this scale, you guys think of it like this. If there was an explosion, Think of these bumps in subspace as the debris that went flying everywhere from the center point and is now just lingering out in space. Um, as y'all are traveling, uh, getting closer to the point of origin, I'm going to take us down to engineering, where uh, Ensign Dari has relinquished command of engineering over to you, Howitzer. Um, she's not in any condition to take back the, the role, but she is down there with you. Um, but she is currently under doctor's orders not to actually function uh, or to operate any of the consoles um, until she is, until the injury she sustained to the back of her skull is completely healed. Which sometimes, even 24th century medicine needs to let time do the trick. In this case, she's just sitting there watching you and she's going, all right, um, listen, there can't be two commanding officers, so I'm just going to be in the way down here. But you, if you need anything, Howitzer, if you if you need anything at all, just I'm going to be in my quarters screaming into a pillow. Uh, things are going to get a little bumpy down here, but uh, I would like your opinion on something. Uh, you immediately feel this was the Ross kind of rumbles a little bit, and she goes, "Yeah, what? Uh, is there something we could do? Maybe project out in front of us to get some idea about those subspace particles before we hit them, like a." a Neutrino wave, uh, 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 our own subspace carrier wave, like we were broadcasting a communication, uh, uh, get some sort of echolocation going. Echolocation? Why? What are you trying to find? Those things before they smash into the ship. Oh, 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 you're, you're talking about trying to locate a, a potential subspace shockwave. Uh, yeah, I had some thoughts on that. I mean, essentially, it would be using our communications array and linking it with our sensors array to see if maybe we can't use what we use for subspace transmissions to detect oncoming subspace shockwaves. Seems but, like worth a shot, right? Like we're trying to dodge a call instead of answer, I suppose. Yes, let's do that. Can you do that? We're about to find out. Great, great. I'm going to go lay down. Yeah, uh, and hopefully you got seatbelts in your quarters. Yeah, I don't. And then she steps onto the <laughs> turbo lift. Um, your engineering team rallies around you. Um, Chief Singh is down here, by the way. Chief Singh is one of the transporter chiefs, but often assists when uh, the chief of engineering needs anything. Uh, I've shared my fair share of Rectachino with uh, my, my Bajoran friend, who's up, uh, I'm no man in, man in the calm right now. Maybe we could right. tie in the bridge in engineering. Yeah. To, to make this go. I, I, yeah, I, 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 would like the, I would like the captain to know what I'm doing uh, in case this works or doesn't work. So, um, yeah. Okay. I would definitely uh, try and hail him. Okay. So you hear chirping the communicator. Go for Axio. Uh, we might have an idea down here, Captain. 
That's the best words I could hear right now. What you got, Lieutenant? <laughs> well, it'll be better if it works. Uh, we think we might be able to uh, jury-rig a little bit of a connection between the warp core and the sensor system, or maybe we could detect these subspace anomalies before they smash into us. Basically, like uh, we're receiving calls or broadcasting through subspace, but at least we'll know where they are, maybe avoid them. No harm in trying. Rick, I dearly apologize. What's your character's name? Oh, um, uh, Cone. 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 Uh, could you possibly uh, get Cone on for me? <laughs> or, or do, with your permission, uh, can I just call him directly? <laughs> Please call direct. <laughs> <laughs> Cone. <laughs> you just come. Go ahead. Uh, and I relay to him what I'm trying to do. That we're trying to, to, to hook in the sensors to the warp core to the warp drive system to possibly detect these subspace anomalies before we find them with the ship's face. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating concept. I, 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 yeah, I'm, 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 I'm angry. I didn't think of it myself. Uh, it, can I assist? I certainly hope so. And uh, I try and explain the techno babble of what I'm actually trying to do. In that, you know, we we got all engineering down here. Uh, Ready to start twisting knobs and pulling levers. Okay. Uh, then we're going to do a roll. Oh, um, I rolled a one. Okay. Well, right off you, the bat. You, so, you know, literally what good. just happened? I rolled a 20, which rolled to an eight. And I was like, aw. And then I rolled a one. And I'm like, oh, oh, ah. Wait, no, you just did good. <laughs> 20 was a complication. It means I can mess with you. But no. Um, I haven't even spent any threat yet either. So let's... Um, all right, so for this, you're going to be, uh, the numbers you're going to be using for the Ross are going to be communications and engineering. Got it. Um, all right, so in this, <laughs> finally been able to mix and match these effectively for what y'all are trying to do. So communications and engineering, and then, yeah, control engineering for you, uh, Howitzer, and then Cone, mm -hmm. reason science to help him. So it's all of your, your best stuff. And assists only our one dice, correct? That's correct. And the difficulty for this is going to be three, but you've already got, I know, two successes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, and there, there's no advantage in multiple focuses, right? So, yeah, Rick, you only roll one die instead of two because you're assisting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got three if a crit is two because there's there's no advantage in multiple focuses, right? No, no, no. Okay, right. Well, three, three successes over here. So three, so that's, okay, so then four, so... And no Roth got Ross. one as well? No, None no for Ross. Ross. Okay, so you got four successes. So you're going to succeed at this. So you basically coordinating with the science station up on the bridge, you managed to link together the sensor system with communications. Using the communications array, you're able to look into subspace and try to detect if any more of these are popping along. Combined with the information that you all have with the USS Ross's uh, trips through the Shackleton Expanse and your experiences running across these subspace bumps, you are able to accurately map what's in front of the Ross, and you detect something about three light years across near the Kelden class cruiser. So, looks like they might be in a spot of trouble. Three light years across. It would take you a full day at warp seven to travel from end to end on what it is they're in front of. You're not sure what it is. Sensors are only detecting that there is an object or some kind of pres like an energy reading that the Keldon is currently seated next to. But you're also detecting a lot of 
uh, a lot of activity in subspace near the eye, near the uh, the the mysterious object. Does this seem like it is continuing to admit, emit, or we're more like the, to to continue the metaphor from before in an existing debris field? Like, is this a volcano that is erupting, or has something blown up, and now we're just going through? Spend it. a momentum, and I'll answer that question. I feel like everybody. I feel like that's a worthwhile expenditure, don't you think? Heck yeah! Um, yeah. Okay. Whatever that thing is, it is emitting. Uh, it is. It is emitting what would appear to be like scale ripping subspace disruptions. I even while we're doing this. I transmit all of this back to the star base, if only for them to make the same sensor adjustments, to have a little more warning. Okay. Like, <laughs> this worked for us. Curiously, <laughs> what you're also detecting, though, is as you're getting closer to this, as you're getting closer to this thing, what you're detecting is, is it's not a single object. It looks like it's multiple objects that have been clustered together so much that it looks like it's a single thing. Um, you're also detecting the with with the Ross. If, remind me, Ross has high definition sensors, doesn't she? She got yeah. Okay, so with high definition sensors, you're actually able to monitor that a few of these items are blinking out of existence. They disappear. There are and they're varying in size, whatever they are. Coming in and out of existence in the sense emerging in and out of subspace well, or literally ceasing they're, to exist, right? They're ceasing. They're just like you're seeing some of the signatures vanish. They're also varying in size. Uh, obviously, I, I transmit all of this and I just pointed out to the captain, uh, besides the obvious, uh, there's a real chance those. Cardassians are stuck over there. You see the scale of this thing and their proximity to it. it. They might not be able to get out of it, and if we're not careful, we won't either. Currently working on that, and luckily this is not the first time we've had to remove a station or ship from within the grasps of one of these things. Indeed, as you get closer, you enter medium range for the sensors. What range Every do we have to be to tractor beam? You need to be up close. You have to be like in in the vicinity of, but as you all are all on approach, you're about forty five minutes out. When uh, so you're approaching short range, you detect indeed your sensor skill. I'm not even gonna have you all roll because it it's all pretty much in the system. This is indeed subspace ripping tears in subspace. It looks it doesn't look like a single subspace tear. It looks like if the universe scraped its knee, it looks like thousands and thousands of tears that have been torn across subspace, opening up these gaps that stretch across three light years. Meaning that, and judging from the model that you've been able to build, and this is going to be the product of your success, uh, Lieutenant Cohn, the model that you and uh, Yugos were able to build, you can see the path of the shockwave, and you see the shockwave has basically shredded subspace in this area. You also notice, though, that some of these tears are repairing themselves, but there are a larger one. There are larger ones located around the uh, the vessel, but more than anything, 
you see a large one that's about 65,000 kilometers long near the Cardassian Keldon vessel. Captain, um, we, we so have this is very, very, dangerous. very, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the screens now. Um, can, while we're this close, we, we have a wonderful opportunity. How is it sealing itself? That is an excellent question. Um, I can try and make some scans to see if we can uh, gather some data and make a hypothesis. Wonderful. Work on that and uh, everything else you're doing. Excellent work. Lieutenant Donkus? Aye. What? Ambassador? Hmm. What are we going to do about that illegal ship? I think I'm going to have to make a few calls. Okay. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to go down to my Slightly more air-conditioned office. <laughs> uh, the Ross rumbles again, and I'm going to ask you guys to take a point off of the shields. One point down from the shields. So that'll drop you back down to seven. Um, and Vryn looks, looks over his shoulder at you, Exio, and says, Commander, we're going to have to come out of warp a little bit before we arrive. The closer we get to the subspace tears, it's going to become impossible to maintain a warp bubble. Yeah. Um, maintain pace, but not quite this. Uh, maintain trajectory and lower um, to... Are we still at warp? Yeah, you're at warp seven right now. Okay. Go to warp four. Let's stay cautious on this. That's going to add a couple of hours to your arrival time, just so you know. To the ship or to the tear? To, to the Ross's arrival time. Right. Uh, arrival time to the ship yeah, or the tear? The, well, the ship is in the proximity of the tear is the problem. Got it. So to arrive at one is basically to arrive at the other. That gives every, I'm okay with that. That gives everyone time to work on what they're working on without uh, exacerbating the possible danger we're going into. We've got to figure out what their ship is. We've got to figure out, uh, we got to give our scientists time to um, analyze at a safe distance. We have sensors for a reason. Um, so I'm okay with a couple of hours. And if the ship moves, well, Bren, when I say add hours to it, dropping from warp seven to warp four will probably add about close to 20 hours. 20? Okay. Yeah. Well then drop to warp six. Okay. <laughs> so reducing speed, yeah, that's the difference. And that's being generous. Like it, it would probably technically would have been more like a few days, but like basically dropping to warp six will add about six more hours to the arrival time. Um, there we go. But at this point, that's gonna give you all enough time to prepare for this. Uh, also, to, because of Lieutenant Cohn's scans, um, you're going to have an opportunity right now to, if you would like, if you want to spend momentum, I can give you more information about the scene you're about to arrive at. Yes. Or if you want to conserve it. Okay. Um, so, Cohn, what you end up relaying to the captain. Checking if we're at four or five. Uh, yeah, Is what, anyone else keeping momentum track? Four. If there's four. Cool. Four. I'm at four as well. Okay. Arriving, so what you're detecting, first of all, is this Cardassian vessel 
the reason why it seems to be at uh, minimal power is they've channeled all of their power into the warp core. And they are basically maintaining their position at full power. Like, all of their engine power has been transferred to the uh, ship's propulsion. It looks like they are running hot, and they're and all they're doing is staying, staying still. They're in place. Oh. Um, at this distance, you're also scan. You're also scanning that for a ship of its complement, it doesn't have quite as many life signs as you might expect on a Kelvin class. It looks like the ship may have taken some damage, but it does have some life signs. Yeah, there is like there are. There's well over, there's probably about 100 and 150 Cardassian life signs that fluctuate from time to time. All Cardassian. On board that vessel. Uh, Olin down in, in their office has sent uh, an update to the Admiral as well as a message to uh, Mr. Garrick. Okay. You're going to send a subspace signal to Mr. Garrick? About the ship, for sure. Okay. It takes a hot minute for you to make a connection, but Garrick seems to always be willing to take your call. Uh, as you make the connection, you do notice that it is staticky. Like you see communications in this area, just communicating out of it. You just see static kind of play over the screen for a second when you see Garrick's face materialize. And for a second, it's much like our stream, our live stream. Uh, occasionally, someone starts talking and uh, they're muted and you don't hear anything. <laughs> um, for a moment, um, you don't hear anything. For a second, you see him reach down to the computer console and he goes, can you hear me now, Ambassador? Uh, I can, indeed. It's nice to hear from you, Mr. Garrett. And you, what can I do for you? Well, um, I'm afraid the Ross has tripped over one of your strays. My, one of our strays? And they'll explain the situation. He, his cheery demeanor changes to that sort of like, aha look on Garrick's oh. face. And he says, well, it sounds like you may have come across some of our wayward brethren. Indeed. Oh. I figured you should know about it. is having an aha moment. Yes! <laughs> Well, I'm not sure what I can do from out here, Ambassador. But it's if not I about you, uh, you doing anything. I'm very anything. careful when associating with them. If these Cardassians are members of the True Way, it would be very difficult to have a conversation. Yes, I um, I figured you uh, you should at least know what is happening. We will do our Keep best to bring them to heal in the event that they are um, as you suppose members of the true way keep me apprised if you could i will indeed and i've heard rumors did rumors? captain sull steal a starship you know i can neither confirm nor deny such rumors i've never been more proud garrick out and then olin will head back up to the uh to the um, bridge and brief, brief the commander. And when they see the realization pass over the, the commander's lip twitch, face yeah. <laughs> of, oh shit, I didn't even think about the true way. It's just sort of like, ah, well, now you're thinking about it. Follow me. You too, Lieutenant Donkus. Yes, Captain. 
All right, we can do a scene jump here. Okay. The Ross has to come out of warp fairly early and spend a good three hours traveling at full impulse before you arrive towards the scene. When you start coming into range, the engine, the first of all, the warp core starts becoming taxed and you all start feeling the vibrations coming through the hull as you see Vryn shake his head and he goes, Captain, that's a subspace tear. Our warp core is going to act like a magnet. If we get too close to that thing, we will be pulled in and destroyed. I trust you to know when to stop, Ren, or Vren. Um, Do not. Okay. Um, on screen, you can see the Keldon class, which is at stations keeping. It doesn't look like they're moving. But according to the sensors, Lieutenant Cohn, they are... They have been running their engines at full power to stay in place. In other mm -hmm. words, it's like they're stuck in a current and they're running as fast as they can oh. in the opposite direction to stay where they are. Which is quite the feat because subspace tears typically become more powerful the harder you try to get away. Go ahead and make a reason science check. While you're doing that, uh... Exio is just like staring at the screen and trying to figure out what the yeah. next move is. So let and me describe is, what you see. Yeah. Because you're seeing something that no Starfleet officer has ever seen before. You're seeing, first of all, you're seeing a 65,000 kilometer subspace tear surrounded yeah. by millions of micro tears that are all miraculously repairing themselves. Yeah. They're closing up, which there is no explanation currently from what you're seeing for why that would happen. No, but I want all that data because if we can close them, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, what'd you roll, Cone? Uh, if my astrophysics counts here, then three successes. <laughs> uh, it's but... not going to count on this one, unfortunately. All right, then two. <laughs> space anomaly, yeah. Uh, no help <clears throat> two from successes? the Ross. Okay, that's enough. What was that from the Ross? No help from the Ross. Um, there is an extraordinary amount of polaronic energy in the area. It might be offsetting how these anomalies typically behave. Theoretically, if you're getting close enough to one of these subspace tears, if you, if you try to fly like a bat out of hell to get away from it, that strengthens the pull. It's like quicksand. So the harder you try to run away, the faster you get pulled in. The fact that they are at station keeping, even though they're currently running their engines hot might have something to do with the interaction between the polaronic energy. Um, however, as you are coming to this conclusion, Donkus detects that their weapon systems come online as y'all are approaching. <laughs> so, uh, Cardassian weapons are online, Captain. Donkus, go ahead and go ahead and make a roll for me. Um, this is going to be a control security, or yeah, control security check. Okay. And the difficulty, and the Ross will help on this one. This is going to be a sensor security check for the Ross, and the difficulty is one. Hey. Uh, we have one success. Okay. From the Ross. All right, that's all enough. Your tactical display tells you that the amount of power that they put in their phasers might tickle. Is it was was that? A... They 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 have put so much power to keeping themselves in place 
that they barely have enough to raise their shields and any any shot that they send towards the Ross's way isn't going to be enough to do anything. They are hostile as you approach. Well, I was about to ask about rescue protocol in a scenario like this, but it seems like uh, it's a different case. It's posturing. Kardashian's are very good at that. Yes, but I think we could possibly rule out a subspace creature accidentally tearing Owen. Yeah, it was, it was a nice little shot in the dark. It really was while it lasted. Well? But it doesn't explain how the tears are repairing themselves. No, but that is what the scientist jobs are for, and ours are arresting this vessel. That I can help with. Excellent. <laughs> um, well, as the captain would say, we normally just suck him in in the tractor beam. But seeing as we don't exactly know how everything's going to interact with a thing this large, throw some ideas at me, folks. Yeah, so let me paint the picture for you before you start throwing some ideas. Yeah. So to get in close to help these people, you are going to be subjected to the same bullshit that they are in right now. Mm -hmm. The moment you come within range to use a tractor beam, um, it's going to be a problem. Because the Ross will at that point now also be in wake of this subspace rip. Yeah. Um, so okay. Uh, really quickly then, before we start doing ideas, mm -hmm. I'm going to send a posture back um and uh send a message um to the acting captain aboard your ship don't be foolish your weapons are useless keep them on your power to stay alive you fools <laughs> uh i would say make a presence command check okay <laughs> um yeah make a presence command check I have an idea. Uh, by the way, Olin, just as a remind, just as like an aside, you definitely sense the presence of Cardassians on board that vessel. You sense hostility. You sense a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna buy a die. Do it. Okay, have, spend momentum. Buy a die. Let's do it. And I'm gonna use my command uh, focus on this. Okay. Is what's the difficulty? Uh, this is a contested roll, so the difficulty oh. defaults at one, and you're rolling against the the uh, captain of that vessel. Right. They're Cardassians. They're very strong-willed. Like, yeah. Imagine all the times that you've seen people try to intimidate Lacat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work out very well. Right, but, but I'm not trying to intimidate them. I'm trying to appeal to their nature to want to live. They're not exactly. They're stuck in quicksand right now. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so go ahead and make the roll. Can I buy another die? Or is it only two? I only think one. I... No, you can buy a die, but it scales up in how much it costs. Right. It's two. It, yeah. It's yeah. It becomes if you're if you're gonna buy a second one, you'd be spending three momentum total. I'm spending threat have it. right now. I spent two points of threat. Two points. Yep. I'm gonna I'm two. gonna take it, y'all. All right, do it. Do your thing. Which gets me one more die. And I think that's us at one momentum now. 
right? I believe we have, uh, I might've missed one. I'll take your word for it. We were at four before this expenditure. Yeah, mm. then we are out. Yeah. Oh, then we're out? Because I bought two die, which would have cost three. Yeah, yeah, but we had four. Oh, right, yes, you're right. You have one left, yeah. I believe in you. Thank you. <sighs> Shit. Not my favorite amount. Um. Okay, I got one nineteen. One. I got two successes. That's it. Okay. Uh. A few beats pass. Could be worse. <laughs> Failing is the worst. A few <clears throat> beats pass, and you are receiving a hail, Donkus, from the from the shuttle from the vessel. Oh. On screen. Appearing on screen, you see a Cardassian woman sitting in the center chair. She is wearing the traditional armor of the Cardassian Union's uh, military. Uh, she looks haggard. She looks angry, judging from your protocol being able to read uh, facial features. She looks very angry, but she also looks desperate. You can sense that on her immediately, Olin, when you see her appear. She says, this is Gulcanis of the Rovat. We are in distress. Okay. Uh. You're, oh, muted. you're muted. muted. Is this a full connection or a message? Uh, is this it's, a face it's, it's face to face. Full. But it's, okay. it's static is playing across the screen and everything. Okay. Um. Um, we would like to assist in removing you from the imminent danger. Turn your weapon system off. Line. She, you can see the jaw clench, even through the shattered resolution of the view screen. Um, and then she turns and looks down and nods. Then you hear someone behind her say something. You, the universal translator kind of fritzes a little bit, but you basically get somebody screaming, you, no, you can't do this. And she says, stand down. Somebody, something is happening behind her. Yeah. You see her rise up out of her chair. You hear a struggle. You see a phaser go off on the bridge. You see a, an energy beam just go right across the screen and this transmission cuts out. What did I get in that moment? Um, Like a surge of fear rage uh and then right now you're still feeling that on the other side of the of the vessel from her you still sense that desperation okay well what we've learned from that is that some aboard that crew want to live and others are currently staging a mutiny is what i'd imagine let's hope that the next time we get a hail it's from the same from lieutenant gull or Captain Gull, you said? Uh, Gull Canis. So Gull is actually Gull the- Gull Yeah, Gull is the Cardassian's name for captain. They call, they oh. call their captains Gulls. 
Okay. Gold Kennis. Like so her name is Kennis. Kennis. Yeah. Okay. Gold Let's hope that the next time we receive a hail, it is from Gold Kennis. It's quiet. Um, eerily quiet. Uh, <laughs> so much so that Vren looks over at you, Lieutenant Cohn, and just is like. Well, no point in dilly-dallying. Whether or not they are in communication with us, our mission is still the same. We need to remove them from that spot, while also assuming that they are the ones that opened it. You said you had an idea, uh, Ambassador Olin. Ambassador Marginil, forgive me. It's all right. Um, it's a lake. The, the subspace tear is a lake. And that shit is a big old rock trying very hard not to fall into it. Have you ever skipped stones? We need something smaller to go in and get those people out of the ship. They're less likely to drag against the subspace force, correct? With our understanding of how these work, I believe so. But one small ship is not going to rescue a hundred Cardassian. So we don't just send one. Friend swivels in the chair and looks at you and says, Captain, if we had a security team and I had the help of Howitzer, I could lead a team of shuttlecrafts over there. We might be able to do a little trick that I learned in the academy, gravitational drifting. It's not that easy. the skipping stones again? Something like that. Um, it would take us about an hour to prep shuttle bay though. So they're gonna have to maintain for another hour if we were to pull that off. But we would definitely need a security team because it definitely doesn't look like all of the Cardassians are going to want to No, come. I don't imagine that they're going to open the door and freely and willingly jump onto a Federation ship. I only suggest it because we can't go in there and I'm fairly certain that transporters aren't going to work in this mess. No, no, no. I believe anyway. you have actually pinpointed the only thing that we can do at the moment. Vryn, Vryn pipes up and says, if we can get close enough, and if I had Howitzer's help, we might be able to use the transporters if we're close. But... Okay. Is there a way we can test this theory before I sacrifice any bodies to it? Do we have any sort of dummy vessels that we can send that aren't functioning, but sort of a uh, test our theory with sort of a piece oh, yeah. of debris? Are you referring to a dump shuttle? By any chance do we have one aboard <laughs> no as no. far as i know we do not this is not a cat a ship that adopts dump shuttles no how many current uh, uh shuttles do we have because i know we're down at least one we could try a probe you're well you're down you're not down a shuttle you are down a danube class runabout so um oh and that that is to be returned to the Ross, by the way. Yeah. Um, but that was uh, that was when uh, your the the beloved ambassador. Oh no no no! I'm sorry. You deliberately gave that ambassador a tiny shuttle. I think we stuck him in a probe and shot him into space. I think y'all. <laughs> I'm just now remembering that uh, y'all wanted to give him a Type 18 shuttle pod. We did. So he has a. <laughs> it's basically going home, home in a um, coffin. <laughs> yeah, you guys have a full complement of the shuttlecrafts right now. In fact, uh, Vren is recommending taking out, finally, finally taking out the Argo-class transport that y'all have on board. Okay. Which is the big, 
the big girl. Okay. Vren? Aye, Captain? Before anyone on that ship starts getting any ideas, let's get there first. Let's do it. Um, he stands up and rubs his hands. Uh, Lieutenant Cohn, um, if you yourself or you would like to send an apprentice along, I think getting close-up scans within the shuttle might be able to give you a closer look, unless oh, you advise right. a different plan. No, no, I, I think this is something that I, I should handle personally. I, I, I think if if if, if, if uh, the cat was here, uh, she, she she would handle this personally, and, and, and uh, I I, I, sh I should do the same. Okay, then you will go with friend, uh, Lieutenant Donkus. Captain. Start getting a team. I imagine this is going to be a quite hostile rescue mission. I'll get the gruffest security that we have to offer. Uh, request permission to bring along our engineer, too, Captain. Who says that to you? Oh, that's Vren. Oh, uh, of course. It, it, Lieutenant, uh, How it's her. where are you? Is he on the bridge, or he's still in? Howitzer's in engineering. I've been in yeah. engineering. Yep. Yes, uh, Lieutenant Howitzer. Yes, Captain. Um, it seems we're going to be doing some away missions, just a little bit closer, and your presence has been requested. I will meet you in the shuttle bay. This should be one for the record books, huh? It shall indeed. But aren't they always, Captain? Out. And I head to the shuttle bay. Oh. All right. And for a tiny moment, Exio freezes because that's the first time I think she said Captain out mm. and not Commander. Mm. So just a small brief moment and then and then moves on. Huh. Hmm. Assembling the teams in Shuttle Bay 1. Again, Shuttle Bay 1 is the largest open space on board the ship. It is cavernous. Uh, as y'all are new, it is, I've frequently described it as about half the size of the San Diego Convention Center. It is quite large. This is the main shuttle bay to the saucer section of the USS Ross. It is, yes, Jody, massive. Um, it's enough. You see where a bunch of the shuttlecraft are being removed from some of their docks. You see the Argo-class shuttle being brought online, as well as the Danube-class runabout, which you guys have. Because the Ross is such a large ship with expansive, I believe the trait we actually took was expansive shuttle bay, allows you all to have access to more shuttles than a typical uh, capital ship of this size has. Man, that's finally coming in handy. After a year of playing this game, you guys are basically equipping your class type 8, your type 11, your runabout, and your transport. Um, all coming online, and it is quite the undertaking. Because a lot of these shuttles, in order to make room in the shuttle bay, have to be stored. Some of them have to be assembled and are put together on the pad itself. There's a few Type 8 shuttles that are brought in, and engineering teams are brought out as the nacelles are attached, and they're all starting to put everything together. Uh, Vren is overseeing a lot of this with Chief uh, Singh as this is all happening, but Shuttle Bay 1 becomes the busiest place on board the ship. Is Singh going with them, or would Singh be more beneficial on this ship? That's your call. He is a transporter chief operational officer, so if right. they're going to be beaming them off in a very dicey situation, Singh might be the perfect person to send along with Howitzer. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, my understanding was just wondering if the, their proximity helps Singh or if Singh being there is more beneficial to Singh because, um, ah. yeah, because he has the, yeah, in higher roles, he will have the ship's help. 
right. um, on the ship. So I'm actually going to tell Sing to send their number two so okay. that Sing can have better control on the ship. Okay. For the beam, because the beam on that side is going to be shaky. So having a stronger beam on this side is always going to help. Okay. Uh, Captain, could I pose the yes. question? Yes, and of course. It is just a question. Uh, I am aware that uh, we have yet to separate the saucer section on this vessel. I worry that getting four to five ships back safely might be much more difficult than getting back one with a larger warp core. And uh, we could keep all the civilians safe on the other part of the ship. There's well, something the I just thought about too, Captain. I thought I should bring it up and... and Lieutenant Howitzer, you can back me up on this if I'm wrong, but the Ross might be more dangerous than we thought. Um, I was doing some calculations uh, while we were doing prep on the shuttle bay, and it, it occurred to me, subspace tears, they're attracted to warp cores. Yes. We got two. Yes. So the Ross is going to be a honking big magnet if we get too close. Which is we why might... we are stopping. What, I'm, what I mean to say is, is in case anything unforeseen happens, it might be a good idea to back the Ross off a little bit. Okay. And the reason, and, and this, if we separated the saucer section, we would still have a warp core on board, correct? It wouldn't be as, if we separated the saucer section, because the warp core generates less power and because we wouldn't have two, it would theoretically make it easier, yes, to handle the evacuation. These subspace tears have a tendency of turning warp cores into giant magnets, as I said before. Yeah. So, yes. Okay. Well, it looks like you're going to get your wish today after all. Oh. That was an excellent shit. suggestion, Lieutenant Howitzer. Or, Chief? What? Yes, Lieutenant. You know, you're the captain. You can refer to me by whatever designation you prefer. That is very kind of you. I, uh, I'm not normally one so terrible with words. It is an unusual set of circumstances. Thank you for your understanding. So Vryn is going uh, to back to the helm because yes, we're going he... to set. We're going to. Uh, the plan is, hello crew, hello bridge. The plan is we are going to evacuate all of the civilian um, population aboard this ship into the saucer section or not the saucer section, um, um, into the main area. That part is going to back up while this, uh, the saucer section of the ship stays in place for aid. Okay, so while that is decided, while shuttle bay, so for the first time, for the first time since the Ross has left space dock, the entire ship is a flurry of activity as people are transferring from saucer section to the main section of the ship. Uh, meanwhile, in shuttle bay one, which is on the saucer section, the entire staff is assembling shuttlecraft and getting ready for this rescue mission on the edge of a giant subspace tear. I'm gonna have to roll for saucer separation. Y'all are gonna have to give me a minute because I've actually never had to look this up in the core book before. But you have no idea how excited I am. Is, you're welcome. <laughs> we, we did this for you, Yeah, yeah. 
I, I feel like this happened when you were on Shield of Tomorrow. Didn't something happen where you were like, you're welcome, yeah. Internet? Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah, I don't remember what it was, but something they wanted. That's usually they everything. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Dave. I love you. Thank I'm, you. I'm the comet that enters the orbit before something crazy happens. Yeah. It's a From very Mars. exciting first episode to be on, I have Listen, to say. Some crazy think, stuff is happening. I don't think that we have ever separated the saucer from the main cabin on this show for, for this ship. And we I was like... Not. There's no way, there's no way we can not do this. We have okay. an opportunity, we must take it. Um, so here's the funny part. So the ship is designed, each section has the same systems, talents, weapons, but their scale uh, is one lower than the whole ship. That's fine. Each section only has half the power, not the Ross. Ross does not have half the power. You have full power still in the saucer section. Um, further, if the ship has suffered any damage ongoing, the saucer section, which contains crew quarters, it does not have the capacity to go to warp. Not the Ross. Separating the saucer is control plus con task at difficulty three. It is assisted by the structure plus engineering performed from the internal systems. Um, okay. But the crew has both parts. If the task fails, the reconnection fails. Oh, that, we don't have to worry about that yet. Um, all right. So. Let me pull up Vren's character sheet as we make this roll. So the Ross is going to be rolling structure plus engineering. Um, the crew, the Ox crew, all starts immediately uh, moving into their assigned positions. As officers move up into the saucer section, civilians and family move back down into the main body. The whole thing, the whole operation, drills have been run for this before, but the crew of the Ross reacts quickly. An Ox crew is ready and in position in about 15 minutes. Uh, and that being said, um, we're going to make the roll now. Now, be again, because the Ross has two warp cores, I am not dividing the power between the, uh, the, or actually I should reduce it some because one of the reasons why you no, those are because if you have expansive plasma conduits, never mind. Power is going to stay the same. Um, I'm going to say that this is going to cost one power though to do. So Vren has got to make a control con task. My God, that's what he's born to do. Difficulty is three. Um, can I, do we have any momentum? Can Vryn spend a momentum for this? Yeah, we have one, go for it. Okay, I'm gonna buy a die. All right, uh, Ross, roll structure plus engineering. And let's see how this goes. Okay. No success Ross from Ross. One? Ross has been unsuccessful. Okay, so. I rolled three successes, thankfully. <laughs> and it's good that I bought that extra die because that's that, no crits. All right. So for the first time in Ross's lifespan since she left Space Dock, you, you all here as you're sitting in the saucer section, um, Ox crew command staff and uh, takes their position. Beta shift is brought in immediately to take position on the battle bridge, as it is sometimes called. So that would be... <clears throat> um, that would be, let's see, Lieutenant War Warkin Zisk, Fawn Roselle, Lieutenant Junior Grade Talon, Lieutenant Dr. Kari Saruna, Lieutenant Avik Tarusan, uh, Lieutenant Junior Grade Moshal Moshlao Karv, and then Lieutenant Ro Gers for Beta Shift, all showing up and manning the stations on the bridge of the main ship. Uh, there is a loud <laughs> echoing noise that reverberates throughout the hull as all the docking clamps unlatch and the Ross begins to 
and separates from the main body of the ship for the first time. You see the saucer section you, on reverse view screen, Exio. You watch as the ship splits and the main body begins to pull and turn away. And I have a one quick question as this is happening. Yeah. yeah. That of course I definitely thought of beforehand. Um, okay. My main computer core, is it in the saucer section of the ship or is it in the- The main computer core is located in the main body of the vessel. So ring goes on before you that turn on the ring because you're technically on an away mission now. I'm on an away mission now. <laughs> you are technically, let me just double check that, but I am almost certain the main computer core is in the, I thought it should be good. Good catch. Otherwise I just would have flipped out of existence. <laughs> Put yep. a ring on it. Oh. Just got sucked back to the other side. <laughs> and suddenly uh, Brent's in charge again. Oh no, God help so us all. Any amount of storage. Uh, oh, let me check. Let me just double check real quick. I do like to imagine that like uh, Lieutenant Cohn is like you know, to do, doing to himself and, you know, behind the tactical station, Lieutenant Donkus is just doing a little Tellarite shimmy. It's very nice. <laughs> yep. It's in the main body. It's the main body of the ship. So your ring goes on. That's why I have a ring. Yep. You slide the ring on and, and the ship separates, the ring activates and you are all free floating. Moving in closer, the it's quite the sight from Shuttle Bay 1 as the Shuttle Bay doors are open and just the force fields right now. So you're looking out into space. You can actually see standing on the edge. If you can imagine uh, just the concept art of somebody just like near the main Shuttle Bay doors looking out into space as the body of the Ross begins to leave, as it pulls away um, and then begins to angle forward as the saucer section moves closer and closer. As you guys move closer, you do feel sort of the rumbling, uh, the rumbling sensation of the uh, of of the subspace eddies that are around here. And it kind of and at that point, the shuttle operation uh, begins. And also, mm -hmm. you get hailed, Ross, as the shuttle bays as the shuttles start to leave the bays of Shuttle Bay One. Okay. Um, uh, finishing up my call with uh, Lieutenant Donkus, who I imagine is the commanding officer aboard this particular away mission. So, uh, Lieutenant Donkus, um, uh, th just the ending of the thing. Uh, good luck and keep me updated. Oh, we'll do, Captain. And um, uh, Captain out and on screen. Coming up on screen, you see Gull Canis again. Okay. And she says, Captain, I surrender to you, but not all of my crew will be willing to do so. They will fight to the death. I won't condemn all of us who are not willing to die for this cause. I'm glad to hear it. We have shuttles on their way to rescue whichever members of your crew would like to be rescued. That would just be the command staff, I'm afraid. Understood. 
Are you and your st uh, are you and the staff that wish to retreat um, in a safe location, or do you need to be evacuated? We've managed to barricade ourselves on the bridge, but the crew is gaining access to the warp core as we speak. That <sighs> they may not listen to you, but please inform them that activating your warp core will only further put you in harm's way. It becomes that a magnet. Their intention. Ah, I they understand. understand that I have offered a surrender. My team is hurrying as quick as they can. We'll be there. We are in your hands. And the communication unwillingly cuts off as power yeah. on her bridge fluctuates. We should probably warn the guards downstairs to start warming up the brig cells. Let's hope we can beam them straight in. But if not, yeah, all right. send all the due diligence. And then I pass back patience. And mm -hmm. I know, yeah, I just like, like patience. <laughs> patience has just been sitting in the middle between the two of us, I think. And we're just both alternatingly like scratching, scratching her ears. Okay. Yeah. So this is going to be a couple of rolls. And I'm going to need a roll from, from Donk, Cone, and Howitzer. Oh, I. Because the way this is going to work is. Howitzer is going to keep all the shuttles from falling into a big black hole. Cone, uh, you are basically going to help Vren navigate those subspace eddies as they're trying to beam people over. And who's, who's Eddie? Oh, Eddie. Sorry. 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 No, sorry. No, no, sorry. Um, I think that he is uh, referring to one Mr. Doty. Yeah. Uh, Did I say Eddie? Yeah. <laughs> the so Eddies. The Eddies. Yeah. Um, oh, the Eddies. Gotcha. I was like, wait, what? I couldn't have made that mistake. In space, um, are they not Doties? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag we're all Eddie Doty. Um, mm. So, Howitzer um, and, okay, and then Donkus, it's safe to say that it probably at least one or two of these people that are going to be on board are going to try to take it, going to try to take a piece of you. I assumed as much. So with seven shuttles that you all have traveling over there, you're looking at rescuing probably about 15 to 16 people. Um, so uh, your security team's located on the other shuttlecraft. I'm going to have you roll basically to find out how they hold up and how you hold up. Got so it. let's go ahead and start with Lieutenant Cohn, who is seated next to uh, Vren as he is steering this Argo-class shuttle closer and closer and the they're like rumbling sensations in in your rear sensors by the way you see the ross the saucer section has actually moved closer to all of you which significantly increases your chances of surviving this considering you will have less of a traverse to get back to the ship very good all right yeah. so yeah, go ahead nervous and in the, the field <laughs> um Vryn looks at you and is oddly calm. He just says, you got this. This is good. This is good. You're going to have some stories to tell. This is good. Well, a long time ago, I, 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 was, I was exposed to a, a, an orb of prophecy, and uh, I, I saw myself on, uh, in a Starfleet uniform having a mission that, uh, well, didn't really go very well. And I, every time I go into the field, I kind of worry that maybe this is that mission. And uh, it, uh, it probably Stop talking! Though. Stop! Oh, yeah. And Rin <laughs> turns back to the helm. One success. One success. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
one success from you. So now, Lieutenant Howitzer, of all the people right now, you're the one with the biggest task. You're literally trying to counterbalance the physics of the subspace tear and the effects that it's having. However, it does appear that some of the theories may have been correct. That the polaronic energy involved in this is having a self-defeating draining effect on the tear itself. Might be why they're closing up on their own. Hard to say. But uh, you're, it's not going to be... It's the only reason why the Ross's saucer section is not being pulled in immediately. So mm -hmm. I'm going to have you make a, a control engineering check on this. Um, Two do successes. Have, do you have any... Do you have any... Uh, Focuses. Do you have I, any like focuses that would come into play here? I do, but I rolled a thirteen and a fourteen, and my number was fifteen. Oh, you know what though? If okay, cool. Yeah, that works then. So how many did you get? Two. Two. Yeah. Okay, so you okay? So right now you guys only have three successes. Um, I'd and, like to remind everyone that you have values. You yes, so, values. So yeah, just so you all know. Yeah. So, because they don't know about them. So the way values work is you can tell me at any point, I want to call upon a value. And what I would say is, okay, how does that a value apply to this situation? And you might say, how about this one? And if it I does, <laughs> if it does, you gain an automatic critical hit. Oh, but that would make my two successes four then? Or it would yeah, override? Yeah, it would make okay. your two successes four. I got a value I'd like to cash in. Yeah. Uh, the challenge makes it worth doing. We're, yes, we're going on a quasi-suicide mission to rescue Cardassian radicals. That, you know, in the midst of a like impossible subspace anomaly that shouldn't even be with a captain who's not captain on half a ship. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do. Yeah, it. when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why not? Of course, we're gonna do it. Yeah. If nothing else, we're gonna make history and save some people. Okay. Um, on that note, because I'm now just bringing this up, Rick, if you would like to burn a value too, you also have the opportunity if you want to add to the successes, because we didn't so bring that up for you. Do you have a value that will, might apply here? My two will um, be four then. Well, I, I, I have arguably one of two. Um, okay. I, I have a value a job worth doing is worth doing well, but I also have a value I have faith in two things, the profits and the federation. Um, so yeah, the, I would say that second one, considering your conversation with friend. <laughs> okay, yeah. so then that'll give you four, five, six, seven successes now, correct? Because that would give you four one plus four. You yeah, five, that's seven total. You've got two more, so seven. All right, so then we're going to come. You, okay, so you're almost there. Um, okay, Donkus. I feel far less uh, anxious than I did a second ago when it was only three successes. Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, y'all were, I was getting a little worried there. Um, so, Donkis, I'm going to have you roll Daring and Security for this. Daring and Security. All right. Yeah. Uh, am I on the same shuttle as uh, the other two, or is this my own shuttle going here? You're right on now? the same shuttle as the other two, and you're also going to get assist from your security teams. Got it. I want to see how many successes you all accumulate, basically, to find out how the operation goes. And that was daring and daring and security. security. Okay, got it. And ooh, your ooh. security teams did very well. That's good to know. Um, and you can call upon a value if you'd like to. Looking at the values, um, I, um, 
I feel like we're going to have to go with the one that's just the most fun to say. Uh, I'm the right tool for the job. Um, <laughs> if ever there was a time for me to be, I've been thrust into an, a position of authority that I was not ready for today, let me tell you. So, uh, But I'm confident in myself and my ability, so I'm the right tool for the job. Okay. See, that is two successes on top of the uh, values. So is okay. that four successes? Yes, and what's unique about your role is what I didn't tell you is your role is hand-to-hand -hand combat. Oh. So here's how this works. In Star Trek Adventures, when you have a fight, everyone rolls simultaneously and the fight happens simultaneously. If you attack somebody and they roll more successes, then they hit you, not the other <laughs> way around. It's not a hit exchange like D&D &D where you go for the AC, then mm -hmm. you wait for their turn and they go for your AC. And this mm -hmm. one, y'all lock arms and the music. Do, 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 do. So um, basically, this is how it all goes down. First of all, with as many, y'all needed a threshold of 10 successes <sighs> for this to go smoothly. And you nailed it. Cracked 11. <laughs> so this is how it goes down. With Cone's help, you were all able to monitor and mo and to see the subspace eddies as they are flowing throughout the area. And Vryn is able to use his expertise to guide the shuttles around the sides of this Keldon-class cruiser. As you all get into range, the shields and the cruiser go down and beaming starts to happen on board. As that is taking place, Chief Singh on the Ross is currently coordinating with the people on the shuttlecraft to make sure that the beaming that is taking place is being done so efficiently and safely. But more importantly, behind all of you is Lieutenant Howitzer, who's keeping that positive attitude going and also making sure that you guys aren't expending too much energy at once to get dragged into a 65,000 kilometer long subspace eddy and torn to shreds. Um, while this is all being balanced on behind, Cardassians start beaming aboard the shuttle. And on the third beam out, as people are being led aboard the shuttle, the first of all, you get the gull and her command staff first. And as multiple beams are happening on, on the other shuttles, on the main shuttle, the Argo, where you were all located, one of these guys, as he's posing as somebody who's helping, pulls a phaser and tries to shoot the gull in the back. But a Tellarite jumps him before that happens. And because you beat him by three, <laughs> I wanted to let you describe how you beat the unholy hell out of him. Uh, I have a, 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 pulls this phaser and aims it at the at the gull's back as she's nodding her thanks to all of you, holding one of her crewmates. She notices the guy behind her isn't somebody that was with her on the command staff. Her mm. facial expression changes. She's about to say something, and then everything happens all at once. What do you do, Dunkus? Uh, I, I, I have a. I don't know how talents work, but I'm going to just use a talent here that I think works for it and, and put okay. it into the storytelling of it. As I see the phaser, uh, instinct immediately kicks in, and I grab the hand with the phaser load up my right hand and with a single punch, knock the ever-loving crap out of this would-be assassin's face. And I'm left holding their full body weight just by the... <laughs> the, the Tellarite just hanging this, like, Cardassian hanging. Yeah, <laughs> just and in you, hand there. Like, the, the strength of the Tellarite is you just kind of hold this full body, like, Cardassian yeah. just slumped as you're holding their hand. Mm -hmm. um, Phaser out, drop on ground. Someone put this thing in cuffs. <laughs> um, okay. You breached the, th the 10 threshold. 
which would is a kind of like my quick version of doing the extended task. Mm-hmm. The USS Ross manages to rescue these Cardassians from the vessel. One by one, you've managed to beam them out. You manage to get away from this Keldon-class cruiser. And as you were pulling away from it, you begin to see the power fluctuating on board. But it stays in place. On board the Ross... I have a, a question. Do we get all of the Cardassians off or just no, the ones that wanted to No, rescued? about 16. Okay. 16 of the 240 that are still on board. So we weren't able to arrest any of the... and beam them off into the brig? Because they're all going into the brig. No, you would have to get as close as the shuttles to the ship to do that. And when you do that, you immediately become siphoned into the uh, subspace. Okay. Board. Yeah. Just so it was literally, check. and and the the captain that cat that was that was kind of the captain easing your conscience and letting you know that mm-hmm. everyone on board is going to blow up the ship rather than be captured. Because mm-hmm. yeah. the true way, like um, we would still technically for the people we rescued in the and, brig as well. They are. Yeah. 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 And in fact, Exio, you actually see as the shuttles are returning, you actually see the Keldon power up its phasers and target one of the shuttlecraft. Um, the fire, the shot never goes off though. Maybe because they can't lock on, maybe because there's not enough power to the weapons. But eventually, one by one, the Ross is able to uh, recover its shuttlecraft. The whole operation takes about 20 minutes. And the tearing, the the rumbling that is happening on the Ross is enough to subtract two more points of power and two more points of your shields also vanish. Um, The Ross is under, the Ross is experiencing the drain of polaronic energies right now. What's up, Rick? You look like you wanted to say something. Well, I was going to say, while I'm out in the shuttlecraft and I'm closer to the tears, can I try and get more accurate readings that might help us figure out why they're sealing themselves? Uh, why they're what? Why, why, why they're repairing themselves? The ones that are repairing themselves? Yes, you can You can grab them, some of that. Actually, let's find out. Let's find out. Let's make a reason science check. And I'll roll for the shuttle because I have the stats right here. Make a reason science check. Tell me what you get. Shuttle One success. Two successes, then. Um, it's a lot of data. You're not going to be able to look at it right away, but you do get a good scan on one of these small tears just as it's sealing up. Um, so, one by one, these Cardassians are brought back on board the ship, and about the time that they're being escorted to the uh, brig is when you receive notification that the warp core is destabilizing on board the Keldon-class cruiser. About 20 minutes. Uh, oh, wait, real quick. I'm just going to go ahead and roll for Vren as he initiates docking procedure as you guys pull back. I'm we, guessing y'all yeah, gonna... We need to pull back quick. Not quick, because that makes us closer right. to it. But we do we we don't know what's going to happen when that thing ex- is it going to explode. This is going to uh, be bad. Vren rolls a one and an eight, so he definitely redocks the ship. Uh, very good. Well, um, if, it, if it if it helps, the 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 Ross also rolled a success on. Strike. Okay, then that's going to generate uh, three momentum. That's three we didn't have. Great. Um, so we'll cut to the scene of you all returning to the bridge. It's been about thirty minutes for the whole operation, and as the Ross is beginning to pull away, you're all seeing on the main view screen the desperation of the Kelton class vessels. They try to eject their warp core. 
and it doesn't work. They don't have the power to the systems to eject the warp core. And slowly, the Keldon starts getting drawn into the subspace tear. There's absolutely no saving it. And eventually, it just vanishes from sight. The sheer size of the tear, it becomes even more apparent when you have scale. Um, it's so large, you're not going to see an explosion. But the ship becomes lost pretty quickly. Uh, prisoners are escorted down some of the senior officers managed to reassume their roles. Uh, Donkus, as you're on on board the bridge, the doors open and Yuri Prawl comes walking in. He walks up to you and goes, you're relieved? You're muted, Joey. You're muted. Uh, about time I need to go put some ice on this fist anyway. Hey, Rawl puts his hand on your shoulder and stops you for a moment, looks at you and says, I hear you got to clock a Trueway Cardassian. Went down like a sack of potatoes. Nicely done. I'm a little jealous. Pats you on the shoulder. Go take some time off. He's got a skip in his step as he walks off through the doors. <laughs> down in main engineering it's the same thing uh about that point uh Insindari resumes her duty she comes approach she approaches main engineering as you were all backing away from the subspace tear she's looking at your report and she just goes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we we yeah Hey, listen. But if I, if I might be so bold to say, I believe what we did today is why the Federation exists. <laughs> listen. I don't know where the hell you came from. But it's a damn crime that someone like you has just been hanging back in the ranks. So when Chief Tech comes back, assuming he still has his job, you want to join the senior engineering staff? It would be an honor. All right. But you're not getting my job. I don't care if you're a lieutenant. No, no, not at all. I'll just be here the next time you uh, get a little bump on the head. <laughs> all uh, right. With permission, I'd like to go sleep for 20 to 30 standard hours. Yeah, go do that. I'll take over here. <laughs> you're relieved. Um, and what has been the most active day of your Starfleet career? You step on board the, uh, you step onto the turbo lift and look around the engineering room. You restored the USS Ross to power. You helped keep those shuttle crews alive. Um, as the door closes, uh, you head off to your quarters. Like I Ooh. said, treat her like a lady. She'll get you home. <laughs> but our last scene is actually going to fall to Lieutenant Cohn who, even though he's been relieved and is in 10 forward right now, because you got a nice juicy scan right before you went back, even though you weren't under orders to like do that, but you were too curious. And as you're looking at the data pad of the data that has come back from the scan, you see the Ross outside the windows of 10 forward, the Ross has jumped to warp, probably headed back to the Starbase. Yeah, and, and, and also no longer at red alert. Right. No, yeah, we're conditioning yeah. green. Yeah. No longer red alert. Um, 
so uh, Jake, if you could put us back to, to regular status. And then, uh, so as you're sitting there in 10 forward, looking at the data pad, Lieutenant Cohn, you squint, hardly believing what you're seeing. You've been on the Ross for a while now, so you know a little bit about what's been happening. If the Ross didn't have high definition sensors, there's no way this would have been picked up. But as you look closely at the data and look, you see literally on the other side of the boundaries of subspace, what looks like, according to the scans, a life form that is knitting up the other side. It kind of glides over one of these rips. And as it does, the tear just goes. Nothing like this has ever been recorded. Uh, 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 uh. Captain. Go for Axio. Uh, we have to talk. We are. Uh, there's something on, there's something on the other side of the tears. There's, I mean, I, 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 I can't, I, I don't, I, not, I'm not actually sure I believe this. I, I could be wrong. You, you should, you should, you should run this all by the cat when they, but. You're just hearing this come through the communicator, Exio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People I, on the bridge are turning and looking over at you. I think there's something alive out there. Turn. Smile very wide at, at the um, Ambassador Majanil and just say, you seem to be getting your way all day today. Seems we that, might have a little carpet bug again. That's our button. <laughs> First of all, I mean, big it, round of applause to our very awesome guests. Yay! Yeah. You guys are so great. That was, that great. was far too fun. It does make sense the Bajoran that worships subspace gods would be the finest space bearing <laughs> entity, though, you know? It's like Polarates. Yeah. Oh, the man. Oh, no. God, no Polarates. Please. <laughs> oh, my uh, Thank you guys so much. I've never had to, to sh just slam three guests into, into a plot like this, and y'all did great. Thank you so, so much. Um, we even got to see we even got to see a Tellarite beat the crap out of a Cardassian. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, Y'all uh, catch us next Monday as the crew reunites. Crew of the USS Ross, having been separated, is reuniting for what will be a memorable dressing down. Perhaps it's hard to say, but as the data all comes back, it'll be put together, and we will have a reunion. So we will see you next Monday night. Until then. Hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>